Welcome to the Arms Race. This is a podcast where we attempt to determine which action star has the highest body count in movie history, currently by watching every Sylvester Stallone movie one at a time. I'm Kevin Keane. And I'm Mike Olson, and today we'll be discussing Lockup, released by TriStar Pictures on August 4th, 1989, starring Sylvester Stallone, Donald Sutherland, John Amos, Darlan Flugel, Tom Sizemore, Frank McRae, William Allen Young, Larry Romano, and Sonny Landon. Written by Richard Smith, Jeb Stewart, and Henry Rosenbaum. Directed by John Flynn. The fourth in our accidental marathon of prison <laughs> films. And final, I guess we'll wait until the end of the episode to see what you're picking for the next episode. Uh, yeah, it should be fine. I don't know if there's anything left. It's too bad we didn't group Escape to Victory I was with say these. We should have Victory mixed in here. I don't think we realize how many prison breaks uh, movies Sylvester Stallone was in. At no. least six, including the first Escape Plan and the five we've done during this run. There's and there's. Just so much in the Stallone catalog, I didn't, I don't know. I had no idea this movie existed. Did I, you? No, me neither. Yeah, okay. it, it's funny. You you would think because there's a lot of movies that he did in the '70s where it's yeah, like okay, sure, those I don't know either. There's oh yeah, there's before we were born. It's like there's always, there's always going to be obscure stuff, just movies that don't stand the test of time, and people just forget about them. Forget right. This is 1989. This is like right Tango and Cash. Yeah, I mean this is during a period where. I feel like both of us, we would have been 10. It's like, this is a time when I was becoming really interested in movies. Not that I would have seen a movie like this. I wouldn't have either. And I, I wonder, like, who is the target? I mean, clearly at us ten, at 10 years old weren't the target for this. No. I'd love to know who the target for this movie was. It's the same target audience that Shawshank is for. It's just, you know, I'm not saying they're equals in terms of their quality. But it's a prison drama, and it's just like it's a drama. It's for I guess it's for adults who would you know enjoy a good prison drama. I don't know. I guess uh, I, this this type of stuff just doesn't get made anymore. So I you know I guess that's in some not that I necessarily enjoyed this uh, and want more of this, but I do wish that there were more you know somewhat serious mid budget dramas made that just aren't made anymore. Yeah, I mean, it becomes this sort of thing becomes uh, TV shows nowadays, yeah, or it ends much. up uh, like straight to Netflix or something like that. Yeah, the middle budget things. I, I wish Lockup had committed to being a prison drama. I think there are a few times when it kind of hedges its bets and going like maybe it's also a thriller a little bit. It's, yep. it, but not much. Like it's it pretty much commits to being a drama. It doesn't try to lean on the thriller aspects too much until it needs a big finale. Then it sort of does. But even that, it's not as big as you would expect from a Sylvester Stallone movie. No, it's not at all. definitely not an action movie. It's, it's a drama, which occasionally tries to be a thriller and doesn't entirely... Land. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, should, it shouldn't have even had the, that aspect of it. Like, I mean, I, I really liked Donald Sutherland. I think he's... I, I enjoyed his performance. I think the way that character is written is maybe too mustache twirly. I think this movie would have benefited from a little more subtlety. Yeah, yep. that's. I mean, I don't know how you felt about it. No, and so I, you know, I guess in some ways Shawshank is a a good comparison. I I, I think they're light years apart. But you know, a good example is, and I don't remember the actor's name, but he's in Demolition Man. Uh, the warden in that is written really, really well. That he's he, he's a villain, but he's not. You know, mustache twirling. I, I guess they kind of they they write uh, Byron Hadley to kind of be that. You know, the the lead prison guard more yeah. so. Yeah, definitely. But the the warden there is is far better written and much more of an interesting character. And he's flat out crooked. And right. even still, you kind of understand where he's coming from. Yeah. I you know I think Donald Sutherland makes the most of this character, and I think he he finds a way to make it work, even though 
it's it's never really justified why that warden hates uh, <laughs> no. Stallone's character so much. I mean, I mean, it may, it's, <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're getting a little bit of it. Yeah, you made him look bad. So what? Yeah, I, but I, here, here's here's the thing about Donald Sutherland's character. What's what's the character's name? I, I drum Drumgoal. I think Drumgoal. Yeah. yeah, I don't want to put too fine a point on this, and I don't want to make this. This is something that I'm absolutely like projecting onto the movie. This isn't this thing I'm about to say does not exist in the contents of the movie. Okay, this is something that I am projecting onto it. But watching Lock Up in 2018 slash 2019. Yep. This is the best possible viewing this movie can get. Because first of all, it comes after Escape Plan 2, and it's just like any movie would seem <laughs> like Shawshank Redemption compared to Escape Plan 2. Fair enough. You know, uh, I mean, you could have put, I could have watched uh, the Jim Carrey Grinch movie after Escape Plan 2 and be like, look at the realism. Oh, my goodness. Uh, you know, the, I mean, it, but it's so refreshing to see a prison movie after Escape Plan 2 and be like, okay, this actually feels like real life and not yeah. <laughs> like total nonsense. Uh, but also watching in 2019, Donald Sutherland's character being this person in a position of power who is totally delusional and not taking responsibility for his actions and who is making the lives of everybody around him miserable and then, not, and then play, trying to play the victim. <laughs> I can't help but project certain political <laughs> figures onto this character. And I think the only reason why I think I was willing to buy Drumgoal. I don't think I would have bought this character if I'd seen it two, three years ago. I'd be like, this character doesn't seem like a real person, but he does in comparison to other people we we are familiar with. So but you, you're probably right. It's in the, the the perfect vortex right now because I I lean me a little bit more that uh, the motivation there seems a bit much. I understand your projection. I'm I'm I'm, I'm able to buy it because it seems he seems so delusional. And that's how I read this character of just yeah. I, I he's clearly at fault. Whatever happened, it's, it's a little vague. What happened that caused him to hate uh, Stallone's character, Frank? Uh, what's his last Leone. name? Leone. Leone. Thank you. Yep. It's it's left intentionally vague. You got enough details to know that you know the the warden is in the wrong. It's very clear, and yet he's the one going like, "I'm the one being punished. You're the criminal, and I'm the lawman. And why yes, am I the I, one being punished?" Like he's trying to play this victim card. See, I I'm not going to say that he's a victim, but ultimately he he took the law and order route. Well, he thinks he's a victim. Is my point? Well, yeah, I, but he he took the route that it's no, I didn't need to grant you any special privileges, despite the fact you only had two weeks to to get out. Right. So I, you know, I think Leone he maybe the reaction. I it is vague on what happened. After the escape, yes, that that's what's vague, and so and based on his actions, he probably was at fault because he he clearly is has a vindictive personality, right? But that is vague. If it's just the evidence that's presented, which is Leone escaped because he wasn't given you know an hour leave or whatever to go see an old garage owner die, yeah, or but it's a father figure, yeah, whatever, before he dies. We'll get into this stuff later. Whatever that gap is of what happened after he was captured, yeah, yeah, I'm sure Drumgoal was in the wrong. I don't think at any point Stallone's character is saying he shouldn't have gotten his extra five years. He admits that he escaped. And yeah, he, he's, no, he, he got what he deserved and he did his time. He's doing his time, yeah. and there's the scene like where he gets moved to the, the serious, like, hardcore prison, and he's like, I did my time to the state. To this, no, he says, I did my five you years. Didn't do it to me or whatever it is. <laughs> I, I love uh, Donald Sutherland's delivery. He goes, to the state, not to me. But you're going to. 
that it's all sing songy. Yeah, that is very mustache. So I, what I had the hardest time is that I mean, Donald Sutherland's been in a ton of stuff. I can never get him in backdraft out of my head. Okay. That that is like of all of the Donald Sutherland performances I've seen. Look, there there's huge, you know, um, the Great Escape. I mean, he he's been in a ton of movies or the Dirty Dozen, not the Great Escape. Okay, the Dirty say, Dozen. I've never seen Dirty Dozen. And I was gonna say he's in the Great Escape. No, the Dirty Dozen. I mean, there's a ton of performances. I can't get Ronald the um, the arsonist ever out of my head. See, I don't know if I've even seen Backdraft all the way through. I've just like seen it in bits and pieces on yeah. cable. I think it's not a good, it's look, it's not a good movie, but it's, it's memorable for me. It's probably because when I saw it more than anything else, but to me, the, Donald Sutherland, I will always think of the original mash, the movie mash yeah. Hawkeye. And, uh, I will think of the remake of the invasion of the body snatchers, particularly the ending, the oh, last, yeah. the last moment of that yeah, movie. Forget about that. Yeah. In, in my mind, when I think of Donald Sutherland, he's making that face he makes at the end of the movie. I won't spoil it, but right. he's making a yeah. face. Yeah, you know, I got it. <laughs> his, his face will eternally be making that face. And so for me, he eternally is, he's, uh, his parole hearing with Robert De Niro asking him you know, questions as the fire inspector basically trying to keep him from being paroled. Uh, what did you do to that little girl, Ronald? I, I burned her. Oh, that's right. What do you want to do with the world, Ronald? Burn it. See you next year, Ronald. <laughs> I will never forget that. Anyway, yeah, okay. uh, so are we ready to move back to 1989? All right, let's do it. What day is it? What year? It is August 4th of 1989. Lockup had a $24 million budget. Uh, was not a very successful movie as uh, the total domestic gross, and I didn't uh, find any foreign. I can't imagine this would have had a big foreign box office. Uh, was just over $22 million, so it did not make back its budget. Yeah. As evidenced by the fact that we'd never heard of it. Yes. So what was going on in the world of movies? Parenthood, the Steve Martin, which I think, now when I think Parenthood, I do not think of that movie at all. The, the NBC TV show, it's probably because my wife uh, enjoyed it so much, okay. is, is immediately what I think of. But that was the number one movie in America that weekend. $17 million was the total gross there. Just beating out Turner and Hooch with Tom Hanks. Well, wow. 1989 was just the year of the, like, this and that movie titles. Because you get Tango and Cash and Turner and Hooch. Yes. I wonder what else there is. Uh, well, number four, you've got When Harry Met Sally. Okay, that's close enough. Number three was Lethal Weapon 2. That had been in theaters for five or six weeks and was, was still doing well. Mm-hmm. Uh, the movie that I probably saw in theaters four or five times, I probably should be embarrassed to say that. Maybe not. No, that's fine. I already know what you're going to say. So What? Batman. Yes, Batman. Yeah, I, we I, all did. I probably saw it four or five times. Why did you be embarrassed by that? We were 10 so, and it was Batman. <laughs> <laughs> so it was still in the top five seven weeks in. Uh, the total gross at that point was just under $218 million. That was a lot of money. Yeah. That was a huge movie. It really was. I think that's still in the top like 25 adjusted for inflation, inflation or something. It, it it's, probably it's, is. It was a gigantic hit. I... Just saw, I saw that so many times in theaters. Uh, so coming in at number six, lockup. So it was number six when it opened. That is not a good sign. It lost to Batman in which? How many weeks has Batman been out? <laughs> it was in its seventh week. <laughs> it still it lost, lost to Batman. The Batman. That's tough competition. Also in its seventh week, uh, I just noticed this. I didn't look at this uh, list closely enough. Honey, I Shrunk the Kids was in its seventh week and came in uh, about a million and a half dollars under lockup. Okay. Despite the fact it was number six when it opened, another movie opened that same week and opened even lower. <laughs> okay. I know what all those words mean, or I know what each of those words mean, but that doesn't make any sense. Okay. I, A Yahoo serious movie, Young Einstein, opened up that week at number eight. I've never seen Young Einstein. Neither have I. 
I, the only reason I remember the name Yahoo Serious is because of The Simpsons. Really, you didn't you weren't you didn't remember him? I mean, I I remember him being a thing, but I no. I he don't. rode that Paul Hogan wave of like whoa whoa whoa. What is that? Is that a wave? No, <laughs> you don't remember that what? in, in uh, Crocodile Dundee. No, I have no oh, idea. Oh yeah, what you're it's doing. like him swinging whatever that thing is, and it makes a, a noise like absolutely. If you look up crocodile, oh, it's like it. a didgeridoo sort of yeah, a thing. Yeah, exactly. I, I don't remember. I, that's another movie. I bet I haven't seen it in entirety. Is Crocodile Dundee? Really? I've, I've probably seen it in bits and pieces, much like Backdraft. I'm embarrassed to say I I saw that movie a few times when I was a kid. Yeah, we. I don't think we had it on uh, VHS. So yeah, we did. it wasn't on my list. Uh, finishing out the top ten, can you guess which Friday the thirteenth? Is in theaters. 89. It's got to be pretty late. It, I, it, it must have done really bad because it's in its second week and it's already at number nine. I'm going to guess part seven. What's the subtitle? Oh, so close. Oh, part, is it eight? Is part it, eight, is yes. it oh, Jason Takes Manhattan? Okay. <laughs> is I that the sub? I don't have that on yeah, there. So that's Jason, Jason Takes, takes Manhattan. Manhattan. Why? I envisioned him like that Planet of the Apes movie. That uh, that you and Joe, uh, which one is it? The one where they're oh, uh, Escape from the Planet yeah, of the Apes. That's what I I envisioned Jason <laughs> like going and trying on new clothes in Manhattan. But for some reason, trying on hats. Yes, I get like the movie Made in Manhattan for some reason. Is <laughs> think of Jason takes Manhattan. He spends like ten minutes of the movie in New York. It's it's does uh, he catch a Broadway show? No, it's notoriously bad because he spends like eighty percent of the movie on a boat on the way to Manhattan. <laughs> And then, like, the last 10 minutes, he's in Manhattan. He, 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 that is false advertising. I think he gets mugged, and then he punches the guy's head off, the mugger's head off. I forget. It's, it's been a while for that one. I've oh. seen most of those movies, but uh, that's a bad one. All right. And uh, Indiana Jones is running out the top 10 with the one I know you do not enjoy, uh, Last Crusade. It's fine. I just think it's, it's inferior to Temple of Doom. That's I'm a Temple fair. of Doom fan. All right, so we on the Tango and Cash episode, which if uh, our listeners here are listening to each and every episode, they're already going to have the TV shows. So it was the Cosby Show was number one, and Roseanne was tied at number one. <laughs> yeah, you know, I realized something when I saw this is eighty nine. The reason why Stallone has forty eight movies on our list, plus there will be more because they're still coming out, <laughs> yes. and uh, Arnold only had thirty two, is because Stallone made like three movies a year for like twenty years, He's cranking them out. It's really a lot of movies. So I think this is he had three in eighty nine, right? It was uh, Tango and so. Cash. Yes, this and Rambo three, or that was eighty eight. I think that was eighty eight. So there might only been maybe two, only but two. still, I mean, it could have been late eighty eight or whatever, which is you know pretty close and probably filming. When was the same time. when was Stopper My Mom will shoot? Was that in the 90s? I think that's in the 90s. Okay. No. I feel like there might be a third one, but I, I don't know. All right. So then, uh, so that covers TV. In uh, the world of history, I decided to take a break from the S&P 500 since you gave me so much grief. <laughs> I haven't given you grief for that in a long time. Well, I've just sat silently while you gave your S&P 500 number. Fine. So I took a break from all of them, and we're going to see how this goes. So I pulled the New York Times bestseller. Right. I pulled the album. We're just going to give you history, and that's it. And we're going to see how this goes. Okay. All right. So on August 6th, 20 former South African political prisoners in defiance of the restriction orders launched a campaign against apartheid laws. thought that it obviously was very timely. Lethal uh, Weapon 2. Particularly with Lethal Weapon 2. Diplomatic immunity is still one of the my best corny lines in action movie history. On August 9th, a, uh, a measure to rescue the savings and loan industry is signed into law by President Bush. Oh, uh, yeah launching the largest federal rescue to date. It's actually FIREA, which people in my industry, FIREA still is you know, an acronym that's used today because our, the standards for real estate appraisals and stuff like that is still 
based on from that law in in 1989 in the SNL crisis. Wait a minute, that was the biggest federal buyout in history, even at, considering at, at that, the time. Okay. At the time, I was gonna say no. The, the <laughs> throw throw <laughs> okay. the throw the tarp over it from George W. Bush and uh, Barack Obama was yeah. far far larger. I, I would have thought so. Uh, staying with uh, W and HW, uh, Army General Colin uh, on August 10th, Army General Colin Powell became the first black chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff after being nominated by President Bush on August 10th. Okay. Uh, on August 14th, a solar flare creates a geomagnetic storm that affects microchips, halting trading on the Toronto Stock Exchange. I wanted to highlight that. That seems like that is a like Netflix movie just waiting to be made. <laughs> it sounds like Geostorm. It absolutely does. I'm like, it stopped trading on the Toronto. I want to see that made into a movie. Have you seen Geostorm? I can't believe I still haven't watched it. I haven't seen that, but I did tell you I did watch uh, Hurricane Heist. It wasn't <laughs> as bad as I thought it was going to be. It wasn't good, but it wasn't, it wasn't fun bad either. It was just, just kind of dull. Yeah, I mean, there were a few things that were completely ridiculous and, and fun, but most of it, I'll be honest, like a couple of them, I'm like, this isn't that bad. I was disappointed. I really, so I'm, I'm, holding out, I'm holding out hope that Geostorm is as bad as I think it is. Yeah, there's been a resurgence, it seems like, of like over-the-top corny action movies that you and I like. I didn't even think about uh, Hurricane Heist. I forgot that existed. But for some reason, yeah. I wanted I, to actually I, ask if you wanted to go see that. That I mean, that one looked like, I'm like, oh, this could be. I mean, it's like made for me, right? The, the, the natural disaster movie with yeah. a heist movie? How can I not? It's Hard Rain remade. How can I not want to see this? Hard Rain 2 Hurricane Heist. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that. There's that. There's the uh, Skyscraper. I still haven't watched that. There's, I haven't either. Uh, 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 Rampage. All of, all of those movies, like, that style of movie is back. Like, Armageddon-esque, <laughs> you know, gigantic, preposterous blockbusters, like non-superhero blockbusters, right. just stupid, con- conceptually stupid. <laughs> um, Rampage in particular just looks so dumb. Yeah, I feel like we're, we're not doing our due diligence. We need to get caught up on modern, probably the modern equivalent of the Schwarzenegger. Well, I, I have done Hurricane Heist, so I've at least got one out of the four. Okay. Done. Uh, on August 15th, P.W. Bota, I think, uh, resigns as the state president of South Africa is replaced and will be the last uh, president of South Africa as not too long after is when apartheid falls and uh, Nelson Mandela is, I don't know if he was elected. Yeah, he probably was elected. I should know my history. A little I would bit think better. so. Yeah, I think he was. I'm sure he was freed around this time. Yeah. And probably a few years later he was elected. I don't know the timeline. Yep. Uh, on August 17th, Cal Ripken moved into third place all time with his 1,208th consecutive start. Certainly something that uh, his record will never be broken because I think players get like every third or fourth day off these days. Nobody has, you know, the, that many consecutive starts. And to be honest, it's, it's probably not good for anybody to, to play that many games. No, did he ever win a World Series? Cal Ripken never won a World no, Series. So maybe those things, two things are related. <laughs> He gets to have a cool record, but correlation no and causality are different things. That's but good point. On August 18th, leading presidential hopeful Luis Carlos Galan is assassinated near Bogota in Colombia, which is in Narcos. Seems like whenever I can find anything from the clear and present danger and on Narcos, I try and get it in our history. I think I got to that point in Narcos. That's, that's another one I need to get back to. I enjoyed it. I just I yeah, they're on the fourth season now. Yeah. 
Uh, on August 20th, in Beverly Hills, Lyle and Eric Menendez shoot their wealthy parents to death in the family's den. Oh, that's right. Who, who did they... What movie did they say they went to see? Because they, they tried to have some alibi, and it was something... Oh. I think it might have been Licensed to Kill. It was, it was something like that, of just, like, hilariously on-the-nose <laughs> movie. Oh, man, when we're done recording, we have to look that up. I don't remember. But maybe, we'll have to well, look it up. License to Kill was not in that top ten, so maybe it wasn't, unless it was like... No, that was, uh, that was only that that week. Sure. So that... that, that but their eight, alibi was, at, at the time of the murder, they bought tickets to some movie and claimed they were oh, at the movie. I would, uh, I would think License to Kill would be in the top ten, unless it was like yeah, months probably, into it. Yeah, it would have been, had to have been months into it. It was something like that. It had like the word kill or death in the title. Maybe it was lockup. We'll have to look it up. I don't think it was lockup. Uh, and then, <laughs> that would be equally ironic for the opposite reason. <laughs> finishing out history, August 24th, Pete Rose is banned from baseball for life. And it still holds to this day in 2018. Yeah. He hasn't done himself any favors no, since then. He really hasn't, has yeah. he? That's fine. I have no problem with him being banned from baseball. All right. Uh, so that was history. So now it's, uh, it's time to move on to the big picture. All right. Let's move on. You want to talk? We'll talk. I'm a sucker for good conversation. This is you're right. Yeah. <laughs> this is the the pod. Well, let me start that again. <laughs> I almost started the podcast over. <clears throat> this is the segment where we just talk about the movie in the big picture, just talk about the plot in general sense. Yep, it's not too complex, other than like an unclear backstory. It's pretty straightforward. It's it's a prison movie. Uh, Frank Leone has got a short amount of time. He's got six months to go. He's in a I don't know if it's a minimum security prison, but probably a medium security prison. Seemed pretty minimum. I don't know. Nah, I, I don't know. I mean, he had the furlough, which I didn't know that kind of thing existed, to be honest with you. Yeah, that was, that's what makes me think that, uh, I mean, I, I don't know the distinctions, but just the fact that he's able to get out for the weekend yeah. is... All right, so maybe it's a minimum security prison. And the reason he's there and not in a higher security prison is because... He basically got a plea deal because of the way he was treated by his former warden. Or something. All we know is that Frank's lawyers made a stink in the press, and it made Warden Drumgoal look bad because he was, he was the warden of the prison that Frank escaped from. Yep. That, that part is not clear. The backstory as far as like why... Why he got the easier prison? Right. He, got, he ended up in this minimum security. I mean, regardless of what the classification is... I, I think that he got the extra five years, but part of the plea deal was that he was going to be in a, a, apparently, you know, we, you, you think a minimum security prison, medium security, whatever it is. <laughs> I think that was part of the plea deal. Regardless of the classification, it's clearly like very, like they talk about like, oh, I'm sorry that there's too much starch in your uniform, Frank. I'll get it better next time. Like they, they're, they're, <laughs> I think it's a that, luxurious sort of, I mean, luxurious is I'm, I'm. I think that uh, was a joke too, though. I don't think that was serious. No, but I think the movie is trying to, oh, really? I see. Yeah. I'm not so sure it was. No. You think the guard was joking? Not yeah, the, I think the guard was joking. Okay. I don't think that was true. But still, they're I, I mean, on very good terms. All they're, the, they're the, very, the guards are very friendly. Yeah, they're very friendly. They're talking about the weekend, et cetera. He's got a furlough, so it, it, it's, pretty, it's pretty loose. Yeah, whether the guard is serious or not, it's showing just the fact that it, if the guard is able to joke with this prisoner, it's right. showing the, the contrast between this prison and, what's it called? Oh, Gateway Prison. Gateway, yes. Because I was thinking about the computer manufacturer. I was like, oh, it should have like uh, uh, cow, cow patterns everywhere. Uh, yeah, so Gateway Prison, which is a, um, I guess, I don't know if it's a maximum security prison, but uh, the former warden, I, it, it's very vague of how he's able to just get Frank transferred to his prison. You would think 
if you're going to a higher level security prison, there has to be a legitimate reason why you're moving them yeah, there. Yeah, I mean, I just assumed he called in some favor from somebody. Like, the, you could ask, like, well, why now? Because Frank presumably right. has been serving out four and a half years yes. in this other prison. Yeah, thanks for one of my questions. Let's see if you can answer it. It makes no sense. Well, I mean, it's uh, it's unexplained. Uh, I, I just assumed he just whatever the, the warden called in some favors. Not everything that is unexplained makes no sense. It's no, just, it, it, I wish there was more information. The timing. It's not that I can buy of how he got it done. I you I think you can explain that away. Why after four and a half years, all of a sudden now he's doing it? it it's for the plot to make it where Frank doesn't have that long of a period of time. See, I I almost think it would have been better if the period of time had been longer. Because I was thinking, like, yeah, six months, all he's got to do is keep his head down. Like, I'm, not sure, I'm sure it wouldn't be easy. I wouldn't want to spend six months in a state penitentiary. See, but I think with the lure of not having that much time, it makes it that much harder to keep your head down. And knowing that you don't have that much time, and it makes it that much more satisfying if Drumgoal is able to bait him into trying to escape again and getting ten, another 10 years. Oh, you think it makes it too easy for Drumgoal if it's like two years? Like, well, obviously, he's gonna... if it's two years, it's still then another 10 years. But the point is, is that it's not as defeating to Frank when Frank was so close. Gotcha. Yeah, that's, so that's a good point. If he had, you know, if he had four years to go and he gets another 10, it still is another 10 years. Right. But at the same time, he isn't that much closer. So I think that would be why Drumgoal really wants it so, so close to uh, Frank's release date. Oh, so you think maybe he did this on purpose? Like he waited? It's like, I'll wait in the wings. Well, I think, I think it's more satisfying to him, yeah. I, whether or not he waited or those favors just finally came in. Maybe, maybe Drumgold st- started the process of calling in those favors <laughs> sure. in, year, in year one, and it just took that long. Four and a half years of red tape, yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah, I'd buy that. Uh, yeah, so he, Drumgold then is effectively really most of the movie is just trying to make Frank's life miserable to the point of getting him to do something, it seems to be trying to escape again, to get a longer period of time so he can just punish him uh, punitively for another you know decade, basically. Yeah, but then there are huge stretches of the movie where it doesn't seem like Drumgoal is really that involved at all. It's just like day-to-day life in the prison, and Frank makes some friends, Eclipse, and uh, First Base... And, uh, yeah, we need to talk about first base. What's Tom Sizemore's name? His Dallas. Name? Dallas. So that's he, that becomes his crew. He makes friends with this crew, and then they play Let, fo- they play football. They build a car and do all sorts of things. They do things. Let's make this abundantly clear. <laughs> this in no way, despite the fact being before Shawshank and having a similar structure, they are light years apart in terms of the crew that gets put together. How interesting each of them are, and then what they actually do with their, you know, the the time within prison. Yeah. Light years difference. Yeah, some of it I liked. Some of those sequences I like better than others. Building the car, I couldn't care less, but then I'm not a car guy. You're not either, right? So No, but I, it's not even that. It, the fact that that car is even there is absurd. Why I is a garage know. there? There's a whole bunch of things that we I need think, to answer soon. I think there are auto shops in prisons. That's like one of those things that you could end up doing as like a job in a prison. They're like fixing up like patrol cars. There's like a whole row yeah, of like, I, cruisers. I, in I there. saw that. So how does a 1965 Mustang get in there? I don't know. Like probably the prison brought it in. It's just like here, it keeps it, keep you people busy. No. I don't know. We'll, we'll, I, I we'll don't get know. There. We'll get there. Okay. Uh, we'll get there. Yeah, but that that's the, regardless of the logistics of it, whether or not that w- is plausible, plausible. I, yeah. I don't know. 
that's not why I didn't like it. I just thought it was it was 13 minutes. I, I it was checked. very long. It was as well. a, yeah, it was such a long sequence of them just rebuilding a car. I did enjoy the use of the song "Vehicle." I'm a vehicle, baby, and the, 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 the oh. editing is like cut to the music. So well, you know, we're covering one of my. It, I, to me, it was like oh, we got uh, we got Stallone in here. We need a Rocky training sequence because that's what that is. Yeah, it's sort it's of ridiculous. Is. The whole that whole thing is ridiculous and should go. It's an whatever. '80s montage. It's a very '80s. But every every '80s movie needs a montage. It this does. Is this one's. But some are good. Take it to the limit. I still will watch Scarface. Oh. Take it to the limit. Oh, there's no comparison. This, this that's was one just... of the great movie montages. <laughs> I don't even like Scarface that much, but I love that montage because that song is outstanding basically the only part of that movie i like really? yeah oh, wow i know i know i know i like it more than you but there's, yeah. there's other stuff in it that i think is good no but, i probably overstated i'm i shouldn't uh it's know. just how much you like take it to the limit is really what you're saying yeah and i'll meet you halfway on scarf thank you I had, it's a good movie. Actually. I have one of those in here, by oh, the really way, not. that I was going to ask you. Now I won't that you've meet, met me halfway on something. I'll keep the button handy in case we need it. <laughs> I miss Kenny Loggins. It's good to have him back. Yeah, I, I like the song Vehicle. I think that's the one redeeming factor of that uh, that montage. It's like, okay, I, I, like I appreciate the song. that. Yeah, I appreciate that. It just, it's just very corny how that it's, it's cut like a music video where it's like cut, cutting rhythmically to the song, like just random shots of like chrome and like the engine and then tires and them spray painting each other. And <laughs> oh, yeah. It's such <laughs> playfully spray painting each other. <laughs> what? You're interfering with our good time. <laughs> That's a relatively obscure Simpsons reference. I don't yes. even know. Okay. Uh, so, I wasn't sure if you got that one. No, that's, no, pretty, no. that's pretty late. That's like season 11 or something. It was just when I was starting to fade, but I got <laughs> okay, it. Okay, I'm glad you got it. Um, yeah, so I, there, there's, there's a lot of filler there, but ultimately then it just makes its way back to the you know, pushing Frank's buttons and using Sonny Landham as chink, I think. Yes, chink. Yeah, it's kind of racist. I don't know if it is or not. I took it off of the credits because he's credited as Sonny Landham as Chink, and I went, really? I'm just going to take this off. I don't know if this is racist or not, but you know, he's he's Native American, so I don't know if I don't think he's any part Asian. If that's what this movie is trying to get at, or if that's even an aspect of why he's called this, I have no idea. All right, well, I don't know if he had more dialogue or less dialogue than this or in Predator. He definitely your your stories about him being like crazy on the set, yeah. It definitely seems like in this movie, I'm like, oh, yeah, I can see why people did not want to work with him. Yeah. I'm not sure he's acting. I, he's terrifying in this movie. Like, he seems completely like that guy who's in prison who's not trying to – he's not going out of his way to be, like, tough and threatening. He just is. Yeah. Just him standing there. I mean, the first, when he's introduced and Frank comes out to the my yard. Spot. That's my spot. And he's like, all right. That's my spot, too. <laughs> it's like, place They're all my spots. Right. And then he wants his uh, ring or whatever. Yeah. And then, and then that was a really high price too. By the way, a day he gets. Well, it's his, those are his spots. I know that, but at least give the man a week. <laughs> it's prison. I don't think you, you take what you can get. I guess. Um, no, but I, I think both his character and Donald Sutherland are really like in terms of like villains for completely different reasons. You know, you, you want to love to hate a villain. It's yeah. like they're both really effective villains in totally different ways. And I'm t- as much as I disliked the rebuilding the car sequence, because there's no real drama to it. It's just silly. It's 13 minutes of them rebuilding a car. I mean, I guess it's to build the camaraderie with the team, whatever. Um, that's the purpose of it. I don't think it really worked. But speaking of Sonny Landham, I loved the football game, that whole sequence. This movie is not a great movie. It's certainly not Shawshank. 
But there are sequences that I think really work, and generally speaking, I enjoyed the movie, and I think it's on the back of scenes like that. That football scene, I really thought that was great. It's probably the highlight of it. I didn't know until we did this and reading a little bit, I didn't know Frank McRae played in the NFL. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, Frank McRae, the few things I've seen him in, I, he makes me smile, and I really like Frank McRae. I agree. I did love him just absolutely laying somebody out. Well, my favorite part is him coming into the game to set it up. So that, you know, there's a football game going on, and, and Sonny Landon's character just kind of goads Frank into getting in the game. Yeah. Um, so Stallone's like, all right, fine. And then, yeah, Sonny Landon is just not – I mean, credit to both of those guys, particularly Stallone, the – that's real. Like, th- there's no stuntmen in there. Nope. Sonny Landon was knocking the hell out of Sylvester Stallone in that whole sequence. And I give Stallone a, gr- a lot of credit for going through that. I mean, yeah, taking the beating. Right? Yeah, I, mean, I mean, I'm sure, you know, with sound effects and whatever, it makes it seem like it's worse. But it's still getting tackled, and it's not fun. Because you're doing those over are, and over and over and over again. I mean, those are some real tackles. and it's, uh, I mean, it, it doesn't look like anybody's pulling punches in that sequence, particularly Sonny Landon. But then, you know, Sonny Landon is like... Someone on Frank's team is throwing the game and yeah. letting Sonny Landon through because he's part of Sonny Landon. Yeah, he's crew. giving him the Olay blocking, basically. <laughs> and then Frank McRae's character comes Get in. Get over on that team. You're playing for them anyway. <laughs> You've been playing for them anyway. And then he's, uh, um, he just lays a guy out. I'm such a sucker for sports movie cliches. I don't care that they're cliches. They always work for me. And it's just like, you know, there's a... When he, Frank McCray comes in, it's like, you know, goes to Stallone's character, be like, get up, and, you know, what are you going to lay there, or whatever he says, I forget what it is. And then the Bill Conti score, Bill Conti is so good at putting score to sports moments, um, you know, it's like an NFL film's... I mean, it feels like an NFL film's, I'm such a sucker for dramatic music played over slow motion footage of sports. I don't care if it's real sports, I don't care if it's fictional sports. I was so on board for that sequence. So what I was waiting for when, when he lay, you know, he's just laying guys out as an offensive lineman, I was waiting for, follow me, Mr. Blake. <laughs> necessary roughness. That's what I was waiting for. Man, Necessary Roughness is such a ridiculous movie. It is preposterous, and it, it is so silly. Please don't disparage it. I still enjoy it. No, I love the, the final game in necessary roughness where do they tie the game and you know which how much i hate ties i was i was laying into in victory you were just in, destroying in, yeah, it escape to victory that end sequence the last play in necessary roughness i'm getting chills right now just thinking about it because yeah his center and he goes no <laughs> the big scarecrow <laughs> no fo- follow follow me is great but no the moment where he goes they will not touch you, you. mr bong they like grasp each other's I swear it's like Braveheart. You know, like, I will, I will die for... It's not like Braveheart. It is to I... me. It is to me. And this, this movie doesn't quite reach that height of the height of necessary roughness, but it, it's close. <laughs> Frank McRae coming over to Stallone and being like, you know, get up. We, we got a game to play or whatever he says. He's the F train. Yeah. Oh, and then <laughs> the that F train. The sequence culminates... And Stallone juking like nine guys. Finally, it was very Barry Sanders esque. Yeah, it was a great play. He's, he's, I mean, by that point, the mud is just like everyone just sliding around. Yeah, and then he pitches it to Frank McRae. Frank McRae just kind of hobbles his way the rest of the way for the touchdown, and then he does the icky shuffle, (laughs) a thing I have not seen since 1988. It was great. He does the icky shuffle. Who's thought of the icky shuffle in, in 30 years? Not me. Probably the only time is if, because I think Icky Woods was on Tecmo Super Bowl, not Tecmo Bowl. The last time I probably played that is the last time that I thought of the icky shuffle. Yeah. That's probably been 
at least five years, probably ten years. But I'm sure the Icky Shuffle is not in Tecmo Super Bowl. Uh, it is not, but I can't see the name Icky Woods without thinking the Icky Shuffle. So. It was like the Where's the Beef of American football. Yes. Where, uh, the Icky Shuffle. I mean, it was just a dumb dance that Icky Woods used to do, and it became this weird sensation for three months, and then it's commemorated in this movie for all time. Frank McRae does the Frank Icky McRae Shuffle. Doing it? Yes. I mean, I guess it makes sense, because it's set in the present day around that time, and yeah. it's like, I'm sure they, it these guys... It was in the pop culture, right? Yeah, so, and these yeah. guys probably get to watch football games. Yeah. I, you know, I don't know if you see any TVs in there, but I would imagine that they probably have you TVs know, somewhere. Thinking about it, I don't remember seeing any TV in there. Yeah, but you would think it'd be in there I'm somewhere. Sure, I'm sure in the minimum security, they probably had like plasma screens. <laughs> they were ahead of the game in yeah, 1989. Whatever the, the, the equivalent was in 1989, right? It'd so. be like a big projector. Yeah. Like one of those things. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and then ultimately, well, well, Leone is pushed to almost basically to the breaking point. And it, yeah, because his buddy first base is killed. Yes. By Sonny Landham and his, gr- his crew, including, I don't know if you noticed, wh- who was oh, on his Danny crew? Danny Trejo. Absolutely, I did. An early role for Danny Trejo. Yes. No lines, but... Uh, no. It, I mean, he's, even though he's younger, not many lines, and it's not well lit, but you can see the outline. You can see the outline of the tattoo. And that, yeah. that image, him in Heat, because I, I, I saw Heat in theaters, and that was such a huge movie to me in 1995. I didn't know who Danny Trejo was. I will, that's like burned into my... My memory from Heat and Danny Trejo. See, I think my first exposure to Danny Trejo is in Desperado in 1994, I think, is maybe a year earlier. It came out, but I, I didn't see that until VHS, so okay. I, I saw Heat first. I don't think I saw it in theaters, but I think I saw it pretty soon after it was on gotcha. VHS or whatever. And yeah, he makes an impression in that movie, too. Yes, he does. So, uh, I mean, he makes an impression always. Pretty he's in the background. out of Like you said, There's no. he's in the dark. <laughs> he comes into that gym. And it's just like, it's Danny Trejo. Wow. <laughs> you can't even see. It's just an outline. It's, it's Danny he's, Trejo. he's unmistakable. Uh, yeah, so they, they, they it, again, it's very, and I know it came out first, it's very much the Shawshank Redemption in, in that respect. Which is? The, his friendship? Yeah. And the, the, well, but nobody dies in Shawshank. Yeah, they kill Tommy. That's the exact same thing. I don't remember now. The warden call, calls and has Tommy go out into the yard, and they use, they, they kill him with, Sniper rifles. How am I not remembering that? That seems like a memorable Tommy scene. is basically like, he's first base, but he's actually, I think he's a better actor, and he's also a more drawn-out character, fuller character. It's been um, a while. So, yeah, well, whatever. I don't want to cover it you know, in complete detail, but they're in, I think probably that's by the 60s in Shawshank. And he comes in, he's, you know, like, boosted some TVs. Oh, now I remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah so, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. and Dufresne, you know, he's like, Tommy is his new project, right? He's teaching him to read. Right. And so the, the warden, you know, it's the exact same thing. Yeah, and that's right. what ultimately breaks Dufresne, where he's like, I'm done. And that's when he decides, finally, I'm leaving. Yeah, I mean, that in that case, it's clearly the prison and the warden behind it, whereas here it's a little, you know, the warden is pulling the strings of Sonny Landham, uh, we learn at some point. So I guess the warden is behind first you, base. You being learn killed. right. You learn right before first base being killed because he right. says you're not. Basically, you're not pressing the right buttons. That's right. Yeah. yeah. You're right. So I mean, look, Shawshank probably. You know, you, this came out first. It it's lifted. It's just I think it's better executed in the Shawshank Redemption. I, I you can tell, I cannot stand the character of first base. I was not invested. There's no reason Leone should be invested in this guy. Uh, whatever. He's the worst character of that whole oh, group. Easily. And so it finally pushes him to to the breaking point um, where 
He uh, well, no, that actually is, and I take that back. That's not the breaking point yeah, for him. It gets him close. He doesn't do it, but then he it. winds up getting shivved in the back, and then he gets pushed to the breaking point. <laughs> that moment where he gets shivved in the back just reminded me of Arrested Development. Because <laughs> 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 it's so out of nowhere. <laughs> of how he escaped, Job escapes prison by like getting shanked, so that he goes to the hospital. Because <laughs> when <laughs> Frank. Frank doesn't, he, he won't kill Sonny Landham. And then one of Sonny Landham's guys just comes by and bloop, just like casually. Well, where was that guy the whole fight? I mean, I guess he was just waiting by, like, oh, if, uh, if my guy loses, I'll just take out Frank. I guess. So he winds up in the infirmary and they have somebody pose like they're going to be a, uh, a, a convict. Released convict. Yeah, a released convict. And we actually haven't talked about his love interest, maybe because she barely gets any screen time in this movie. She's there to be motivation for him. Like, I gotta get back to her. I yeah. don't even remember the character's name. I mean, I don't remember most characters' names in general <laughs> in most movies, but still. So then that's when, because he can't call her, he, he's gonna escape because he's got a warner. And then we come to find out that all along, or maybe not all along, but recently Dallas has cut a deal and he's gonna betray Frank. Yeah. I think it comes out of nowhere. I don't think it comes out of nowhere. I was just about to say the opposite because really? I feel like the movie does a pretty good job with Dallas. I liked Dallas. This is Tom Sizemore. It's basically his first movie. I think yeah, he's I think in so. like one little thing before this. I think I read somewhere that uh, Stallone is was always that gave him like this break and was always throughout his career like helpful. That for whatever reason Stallone took a liking to Tom Sizemore. Well, I mean Tom Sizemore is a talented actor. I mean, think even speaking in this, of Heat, yeah, oh, definitely. I think he's good in this. You wouldn't think he seems like a, a a seasoned veteran based on his performance here. I think he's really that's that's I think a fair statement. I wouldn't say he's like the standout. Like wow, what an amazing performance! But but for I, being, being basically his first role in acting with some more accomplished actors, he doesn't he he holds his own. Yeah, and I think he, the first time you meet him, he's giving shades of like I don't know if you can trust this guy. I think the movie does do a good job, and I think Tom Sizemore does do a good job setting up the possibility that he'd turn on Frank because. Because didn't he lie to Frank? He's like, oh, yeah, you were in so-and-so prison. I was in A block. And he's like, oh, there wasn't a way block. I was yeah, like, oh, that's does. right. Yeah, yeah. DTA, don't trust anybody. Yeah, exactly. And then Tom Sizemore brings it back later. No, I, I thought it would be easy to, to set this up too hard so that it's predictable. Like, this guy, you can't trust this guy. Why is Frank, you know, being friends with him? Like, he's just obviously going to betray him. I didn't feel that at all. And yet I still felt like it, I believed it when he betrayed him. Like, the movie, I thought, walked that line pretty well where... He betrays know. him and then he regrets it. Well, the warden screws him over, so I yeah. guess that's why he Does he really it. regret it or yeah. does he regret the, that he got his comeuppance? Yeah, I mean, yeah. But, you know, I, I, I liked that character. Right. I'm, I'm with you on first base. First base is a bad character. Very bad. Not, not very well acted either. Yeah, I mean, I don't I even know. The, the way they tried to, because, yeah, you're right, he's supposed to be like the sympathetic guy and then he dies and you're supposed to be like angry as an audience member. But, not at all. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't care. I mean, we, we almost skipped over that. I think we, we were about to skip to the ending. It's like, all oh, right, first base dies. and Yeah, I agree. But I, I think, you know, Eclipse, uh, Frank McRae's character and oh, Dallas. Way, yeah, they're way more interesting. Yeah, I, th- I think generally speaking, first base is the only character that I didn't like yeah and the problem is that it's he's like the whole motivation for the movie he's the linchpin on it that's my problem with it until he isn't like you said because then they come to come up with another scheme to get frank uh worked up which finally does get him worked up but he he's uh he's a crafty crafty guy he does not escape that's right i like that i thought that was an interesting twist twist, yeah i i I didn't see that he was going to be waiting in the office and use the then the electric chair which we can cover later the restoring an electric chair what a joke 
okay, we'll talk about it later. I yeah, just don't well, know let's why. Talk about it later. But I've never seen you roll your eyes harder this than is that. Dumb. Okay, we'll talk about it later, but I don't you see talk why. talk about mustache twirling. Yeah, but it's worth it for this ending because, you know, you think that Frank has escaped. So, I mean, there's a, there's a confrontation in the bowels of the prison yeah. because, you know, Dallas has betrayed him. But then Dallas ends up helping him because the warden screws over Dallas. And then, you know, Frank just basically gets away from the guards. There's a fight. I and mean, that's the one part I think is trying to be more of a thriller. Oh, big time. And yeah, that entire escape is... Yeah, that action that, thriller. That scene in the bowels, you know, I mean, first of all, the double crosses and all the betrayals, it's like, this is getting a little, like, you know, melodrama. This is just, I think that scene pushes it too far, and then there's a fight because it's Stallone, and I feel like the movie maybe, they were getting a little scared of just, like, people are coming, watching the Sylvester <laughs> Stallone. Stallone movie, they want to see him fight. I think the movie should have had more confidence to not have that scene. You can you can I just agree. skip over all that. Just be like, yeah. he's, he, he managed to get away, like... You know, Dallas caused a distraction, and Frank just, just right. got away. And right. oh, we thought he escaped, and then he shows up in the warden's office. You don't need a whole fight sequence. It's just silly. Like, there's the part where the the guard, who's the Manly, the kind of crooked guard, and <laughs> they're fighting. And Manly, thank you for one of mine. The most ironic name. <laughs> yeah, well, God, it's a little on the nose. The, the, he's fighting Stallone, which is clearly not. He's not a match for Sylvester Stallone. This is the his eraser. Height, his height is, but everything else, he's not a match. Yeah, I mean, he's a big guy, but. I wouldn't be afraid of him in a fight. It's, I, I feel like it's the eraser problem all over again of like Schwarzenegger versus James Caan. Mm. <laughs> Who's going to win this one? Yeah. We got we to gotta clip him in the shoulder. So, I mean, that, that's part of the problem. If they were, you know, if, if Sonny Landon was playing this guard, then it would be like, oh boy, this is going to be a great fight. I'm not, you know, I'm not, I wasn't looking forward to the Frank slash Manly fight. Who cares? We're all going to die. <laughs> um, so, yeah, anyway, he, he threatens to electrocute. The warden in the electric chair. Yeah, but he pulled the old. Was, somehow he's a mechanical engineer, and he he knew exactly what he needed to remove. He works on cars. He knows about batteries. Cars have batteries. You think because he works on cars, he knows how an electric chair works? <laughs> it's just like a switch. He turns. He flips a bunch of switches. Okay. But then there's a there's like a piece that he removed so that it wouldn't actually electrocute the warden. Yeah, he was, he was bluffing the whole time. But he gets the warden to confess what he did. Yeah, I'm not sure how much that would hold up in court either. But whatever it. it it gets you to where the, uh, I guess, where the audience wants it to be, that the warden gets his comeuppance. Yeah. I mean, does it need to hold up in court, you think? You know, he's paid his debt, more or less. He's supposed to get out in a couple of weeks. He just needs to get out while making sure that his girlfriend is safe. That's all he really needs. That's There's all no, he- like, court involved. It's just He's just trying to intimidate the warden into backing off, essentially. Yeah, And I John guess. Amos, the, the head guard, uh, what's his name? I should know his name because he had a big speech at the beginning about, my name is this. Oh, Rule one, it's, my name it's, is... It's like mine or main... Something, yeah. <sighs> Remember, he's like, he's like, my name is blank. Oh, yeah. Rule one, my name is blank. Rule two, don't F with blank. Whatever, yeah. blank being his name, I don't remember his name. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I find it hard to believe that you can hold a warden at knife point and not get some more prison time. I'm not sure taking a hostage that Frank was just going to be getting out in a few weeks. Yeah, <laughs> I guess I didn't really think about that. <laughs> I also, I, mean, I also just have it. I'd love to know where he got that knife from, but uh, we, we can answer that later. Probably in the warden's office. Who knows? Oh, you think the warden is going to keep deadly weapons in his office? I mean, the prisoners aren't supposed to be able to get there. Well, okay. 
Do, do you want to save we'll the, save the question for, for Devil's Advocate we'll in terms it, of like... I, I've, got it, I've got it on the list. We'll save Whether it. or not he should have gotten more time for taking the, the, yeah, we'll the Warden it. hostage, we'll, we'll, we'll loop back to it. Yeah, but in the end, I mean, that's the plot. Frank, Frank gets the happy ending, right? He, he gets out. And to be honest, justice is probably served because he really did serve his time. Yeah. And that's his whole point. Is like, I, I've served my time, and Donald Sutherland isn't satisfied. Yeah. To the state, not to me. All right. But you're going to... That was my favorite <laughs> line delivery in this whole movie. To the state, not to me. But you're going to. <laughs> uh, he's just mustache trolly enough. He literally has a mustache, so he may yes, as well twirl. But it's not handlebars. He, he didn't have anything he could actually no, twirl. yeah, definitely. All right, let's move on to technology. Yes, sir. It's already up in the cloud. What cloud? What cloud? So this is the segment where we uh, do our best to try and poke holes where technology might have uh, changed the plot uh, in some way, shape, or form, or, you know, kind of key scenes in, in the movie. You're always trying to poke holes. I don't know how I ended up being, like, the optimist of this podcast. I'm, like, so not that. <laughs> but compared to you, the, the eternal pessimist, the eternal cynic, wah, Michael Olson, why are we poking holes? This is just, a, how would the movie be different? Okay, you're right. How the movie would be different. That is fair. Uh, <laughs> I have a big one to lead off with. All right. In a world where Skype exists, Frank is just going to video call with the dying old man. None of this exists. He doesn't escape. Drumgool has no reason to have any vengeance. Frank had whatever, two weeks to go. He's out of prison. Done. Skype just needed to be invented. Well, okay. Two, two follow-up questions. Do you think they would have had Skype access in prison? Or do you think they do have Skype access in prison? Maybe they do. Cer- certain prison yes I, I don't know if it's Skype but I do think there's a way to do video video calls yes and it sounds like whatever prison he was at before it was not such a serious yeah, like, I don't dungeon think, of a prison because yeah. Donald Sutherland's complaining like I got sent yeah. to this hell it's in the worst in the system yeah um, and question number two alright I forgot what it was <laughs> I should have just asked them both together <laughs> Give me a second. I'll, let me see if right. I can think of it, and I'll cut this out. All right. right. I'll do my other technology. Okay, go ahead. I'll, I'll loop back to it. Maybe, maybe I'll remember. All right. So my second one is, if Skype didn't exist, all we needed was a cell phone. Because when, I, I'm going to tell you right now, cell phones in terms of contraband in prisons, they're all over the place. Sure. Frank would just have found a way to make a call to his, uh, the, the female lead. Uh, Melissa, by the way. I actually did have it written down. And he'd warn her that way. No need to go through... The entire you know prison escape. He just does the a couple of weeks, the six weeks or whatever he's got left. He makes the call. He's done. Yeah, so, I guess he should. Why didn't he? Did he even make an attempt to try to make a call? Because there must he be no. He must be pay phones in there, right? The the only reason I know there are is I watched the movie trailer and it must have been a deleted scene. He he was making a call and Southern or Manly comes over and just like hangs up the phone on him. That <laughs> okay. clearly didn't make it into the movie. He does. He asks, and of course, Manly is the one who says, "What's going on in there, Leone?" He's like, "I gotta make a call. I gotta make a call," and he gets shut down. So there were phones, but they weren't going to allow him to access it. The reason I say if a cell phone was there is somebody in that prison, Dallas or whoever, would have gotten him access to it, and he would have just, you know, he would have offered them whatever, and he would have made the call. No need to escape. They would have smuggled them in with their carburetors or their. their, their <laughs> yeah, let's their, their let's just save that. How they get all those car parts. It's above board. All the guards know about it. It's not like they're sneaking it in. How were they? It's a. We'll get there. It's a auto that, shop as part of the prison. That like whole, a reform. I hate program. the whole auto shop car reconstruction. It's absurd. I was just joking, like jokingly making a reference to it, knowing that you it annoys you. 
But this is like beyond annoyance. You're actually like angry I'm, about it. No, that. I'm angry about the car sequence. I think it's incredibly unrealistic. <laughs> okay. Uh, Did well, you have anything on technology? Let me. Well, here's, I remember my follow-up question, okay. which is, even if that wasn't an issue where, okay, let's say Frank Skypes with his father figure uh, mechanic guy, yeah. you don't think Drumgoal would have found some other reason? See, I, I feel like Drumgoal's dislike for Frank is irrational and... No. I, I don't think what he claims to be the motivation behind it is actually correct. I think he just dislikes Frank instinctively and doesn't want to admit it and just trying to come up with some kind of excuse. I think he does dislike him. I think your question, if you, you could have said it another way, is do you think Drumgoal would have allowed him to use Skype? Because he didn't sure. allow him. That That's probably a better question, and maybe he wouldn't. Sure. But that is a different... It's not because, a technology question. No, just, but, but hold on. It's different because... If you let Frank leave, you've got to have some sort of guards go with. There's far more resources that are used and expended, and there's there's more downside, right? Because he could. It's more likely he can escape if he's actually out, as opposed to Skype. So, despite the fact I think you're right that Drumgoal has an irrational dislike for Frank, I think it's still likely that he'd let him do the Skype, and then Frank never escapes. The movie doesn't exist, or maybe he does the thing that he does with. Frank's girlfriend near the end of the movie, where it's like, oh, you can have this conjugal vision. Well, nope. She, like, you get the, the old the, switcheroo. Yeah, it probably would have been like, here's your Skype, and then after 10 seconds... He pulls. Yeah, he powers down oh, the internet. Why Wi-Fi isn't working. <laughs> <laughs> I have to think Wi-Fi in a prison would be pretty tough. And then, like, an old castle... <laughs> yes. I did look up that prison. It's uh, East New Jersey Correctional Facility. Yep. and uh, Filmed on location, yeah. Yeah, with real prisoners, prisoners and yep. that's that's part of the reason why this feels so real. But originally, I don't think any of the original buildings still exist. But I was reading that place was built in 1798. Really? Yeah. So wow, that's an old prison. I think most of that stuff you see, like the 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 cell block and all that, was like built in the 18, 1830s or 1840s. But it's like <laughs> you're not getting Wi-Fi set up in those. Mandrake, the red coats are coming. I mean, 1798. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that's that's pretty amazing. It's, I think it's. The oldest uh, continually operating oper- prison, yeah, operational prison in the U.S. In the States, wow. Something like that, or maybe it's second. Cause I think like maybe Sing Sing or something. I don't know. All right, did you have anything on technology? I didn't, and I'll be honest, I don't because you don't care. No, I liked this movie. It's not that I don't care. It's it, I think in the wake of all of these prison movies, it's like I don't know if there's anything I have left to say about prison, and especially coming after Escape Plan 2, where it's like, oh, what would a high-tech prison be like? Oh, no. that's I don't want to think about that. It would just rotate around. Yeah. It would move like a Rubik's Cube. It would, <laughs> there would be robotic guards, and there would be algorithms everywhere. Algorithms for everybody. <laughs> and it so. would... And its ventilation shafts would be so large you could just stand up and run in them. Yeah. I mean, I, man, compared to Escape Plan 2, seeing the escape here, or like the aborted escape, yeah. like they're running through those the tunnels, and it's like you could imagine this is some kind of like old sewer system. It's like because the prison is so old, oh, because all these yeah. build, buildings were built almost you know 160 years ago, however long it is. Very plausible. Uh, yeah, I, I can believe that in a way that you can't for Escape Plan Two. So I had a hard. I just really had a hard time thinking of right. like what am I going to talk about because because of those two factors. Just, right. We've we've talked a lot about prisons lately, and well, I, I feel good about it though. I think I had two pretty good ones, so I think uh, I think we're good. Okay, ready for the little details. All right, let's do a little details. That cardboard headstone tipped over. The, this graveyard is obviously phony. 
I didn't. I don't wow, have. Wow, no music for I this. I don't one. have a custom one this time. That's there's no right. real recognizable music. No, there isn't. This is, there's not a lot of music in general. So this uh, this is a segment where we discuss the minutia of the movie that uh, that we noticed along the way. Yeah, I want to start with one pet peeve. Just okay. to to since you're so annoyed by this movie, I'll I'll I'll, I'll give you one in you, terms of the thing that I that annoyed me a lot. You're going to meet me halfway. I suppose so. <laughs> Any logins. That might have been my most reluctant meet me halfway yet. <laughs> uh, so the sequence where he gets taken from his original prison and gets brought, and it's like this terrifying sequence. I thought it was, I thought it was pretty effective, just yep. in terms of like he doesn't know what's going on, completely and, uh, discombobulated. And there's no setup for it. I think that was really smart. Like the movie doesn't set up like, oh, this guy Drumgull, he hates me. He's, he, nope. he, you know, I have history with this guy. Like he, you could have had a scene in the original prison with him talking about like, boy, I like this warden, not like my last guy. They don't set it up at all. It just comes out of nowhere. It's, and it's cold. Yeah. T- it is terrifying, and it's like you don't. We, as an audience, we don't know what's going on. And it goes through all that, and they take him to his cell, and they lock him up. Then dissolve to, like, the next morning, and it's a beautiful day, and the shot is outside the prison, following these two kids riding their bikes around. And it's like, why are you going from this super effective, like, claustrophobic sequence, and suddenly we as an audience are outside the prison? It's like, well, thank God that's over. Like, as as, as a filmmaker, you should be keeping us in that prison all the time. Put us in that reality. Put us with Frank. It drove me crazy. I was like, my that was my second one on here. Why do we have? And it it's it's like a transition shot too. And it's just two kids on bikes. Yeah, they may as well play like the It's like it's a beautiful morning. It's the next morning. It's like boy, this is the so random. It's it's one of the worst decisions for a in terms of like yeah transition or just like an establishing shot of the prison. Why do we need? We already know that this is a prison. We don't need this. I, out. It just lets off. It, it's like this release valve. It's letting the pressure off of us well, as an those, audience. That steam in those pipes is really hot, so you got to release it every once. That's in a while. true. Ten Sizemore, he's going to burn his arms <laughs> off. He had, he had an escape plan that wasn't uh, <laughs> well thought yeah, out. Yeah, he didn't. Uh, he, he didn't think. He, he he doesn't think like Lucky Ray. No, uh, Dallas he does. Not. He doesn't have a brain like Lucky Ray. All right. So my my first uh, little details actually before this. It's during the opening credits. Uh, the opening, I don't know if you remember, but there's a bunch of pictures that he's like looking through in the garage. Sure, yeah. That has an inordinate amount of dust on it. I, I don't know what was in that garage. He's but been in prison for five years, and, and that guy died. So presumably, this is five years worth of dust, right? I guess. That, How did he get in? Well, whatever. I don't know if you noticed it, but there's a picture in there, and I immediately thought of Lincoln Hawk slash Hawks, because I'm still not sure which one it is. since. <laughs> Uh, over the top switches back and forth that this was like an origin story because there's a picture of Stallone in like a red pickup truck. I'm like, that might be Lincoln Hawk just ready to start towing cars. Oh, I didn't notice that one. Yeah. Uh, so I, that's, this is actually where I have my note for meet me halfway because okay. of, uh, because of over the top. No, we've, we've met our quota. I think. Yeah, I don't know. We've met the quota now. <laughs> so he graduated. He, it takes time to graduate from yeah. pickup truck to like semi to the big rig. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I, I don't, we don't know what Frank did for, well, I guess he was a mechanic. That's, yeah. what, that's what he did for a living. Yeah. So maybe Frank fixes up Lincoln Hawk's semi. Maybe he does. It's, it's like a commando. He puts that big hawk on the front. <laughs> sure, yeah, definitely. It's like a commando predator situation, remember, where those theoretically take place in the same like, universe. universe. Yeah. So, yeah, maybe it's just, you know, if we, if we had followed Frank for another couple of days, Lincoln Hawk would have pulled in with his, with his son. This is only a couple years later, so, you know, they would have been touring the country together. Absolutely. With Hawk and son. Well, because they're... <laughs> 
No, it wasn't. It's Son, Son and, and Hawk. Hawk. I think they eventually settled on <laughs> Hawk and Son. Son and Hawk. Uh, All right. What, uh, what's your next little detail? Uh, okay. Just one thing I noticed, and I'm sure this is just like a real prisoner thing. I was really surprised. Uh, so it's nothing to do with the movie and just have everything to do with the prisoners they were just filming day to day. I was surprised how much leeway the prisoners had in terms of like what they could wear. They're all wearing like, the, like there's guys that look like oh, yeah. bikers. They're all wearing like biker shirts, and then one guy's just got like a Union Jack shirt on. I was just curious. Like, it I wonder if that was just for the movie. I, I, don't I know. bet that's got to be just for the movie because that seems that seems like they were just filming the prison. I don't know. You think so? You think that's just they 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 dressed up the prisoners? I think it was to differentiate. Yeah, some of the prisoners in there based on kind of. Who the you know gangs or whatever that they were affiliated with? Okay, I mean I, they weren't characters in the movie. It wasn't like no, but I think in the background that they they tried to differentiate. Okay, and maybe you're right. I just, I was wondering. I mean I don't know if there's any way to look that up, but just I, I yeah I, I was surprised to see that. I mean even even in the reality of this movie, the idea that like that seems strange to me that they would artificially add that to prisoners yeah, if that's not right. real. Maybe you're right because that it. It jumped out at me of just like, oh, they like don't have to wear like the same uniform. Everybody like some of them are just like basically just wearing t shirts and like you know they have like the jackets or whatever. Yeah, so that was surprising. All right, so we already covered my manly the guard, very subtle. So I'll uh, move to my next one. So Frank, he, he gets a Dallas doesn't get him a cush job uh, working with Eclipse because Eclipse doesn't want him. So the alternative is he's like scraping rust off of pipes. Is that a job? <laughs> I guess so. Otherwise, you know, maybe those pipes will break down if you don't scrape the the, the rust off. I mean, I'll admit, look, I I don't I'm ignorant to this, so that may be true. That that just did not seem like a real job to me. It's like cleaning duty or whatever. I do like how he tries to Tom Sawyer Dallas. He's just like, "Come on and help, it's fun." <laughs> I think he says something like that, like, "Oh, it's fun, it's easy." Yeah, but I think it was more as the he, well, I'm not sure he was trying to Tom Sawyer him. He was basically telling him, "You you jam me. You said you were going to get a good job. Why don't you go and do some of this job that I wound up with?" Maybe or maybe <laughs> and Dallas. Oh yeah, I'm not. Uh, he like scrapes two times and he's done. Maybe they were tr- he was carving a path for their cockroach la- races later, because that's another activity they partake in, the cockroach race. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to talk about that race eventually, and I, I've got some questions about that race. Yeah, I think I have a question also. All right. So we'll save it to that. So that Eclipse had a 64 Mustang in that garage for 15 years. Okay. I, I really have an issue with this. I really think the only reason it's in there is to do a Rocky montage. That's the only reason that car is there. And that entire sequence is to do a Rocky montage. From a filmmaking point of view, I completely agree. This is just like the bonding sequence where we, all the crew gets, to, they bond, and we, we as an audience member become sympathetic because they know they're going to kill first base later. So yeah, I think this is just to get us to like all these guys. But from a, from a in the reality of the movie, the idea that a prison would let prisoners work on this old car... I don't think that's entirely implausible. Nah, I'm not buying it. There are all kinds of things going on in prison. I mean, they let them play football. They let them play, you know, basketball. They, I'm sure they have, like, rehabilitation programs and things. This is probably in the vein of that. Rebuild a car that they're then first base is going to drive, like, a wheelman in Grand Theft Auto in well, the yard? Yeah, obviously that's a risk. I mean, I'm sure the, the, the warden didn't expect them to actually get it running. It's just like a thing, you know, I'm, I, I would imagine a prison administration would prefer prisoners to have something to occupy them that is not going to, because otherwise they're just going to cause trouble. It's like, 
if it's a thing that's relatively harmless, it's not going to increase the chance of escape. I mean, obviously they got this car running and drive it around in the yards, which is, you know, not the smartest thing to do. <laughs> it's not. Um, but you know, first base is the worst. It's, it's because he's, he's got a life sentence and he's like, I'll never drive a car again. So he's like, he can't help himself. This is the last time we'll ever get to drive a car. And he just goes crazy. He's never learned to drive a car. This is the only time he'll ever yeah, get to drive a car. Yeah. And somehow he appears to be again. He could be a wheel man. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, he figured it out pretty quick. Frank gave him his coaching when they were taking the tour of Manhattan and, and walking around. And Atlantic City. Uh, well, that was back when Atlantic City was like, it's still uh, like a destination, I feel like. Or maybe, uh, maybe even at the time it was on the decline. The decline was beginning. Okay. Uh, uh, no, I take that back. No, no, 89, it, it probably still was pretty viable. The, yeah. the 90s is what really started to hit Atlantic City. Uh, regardless, you know, like I, I, the the moment of first base driving uh, <laughs> driving away in the car, I really thought he was going to try and crash through the gate and escape, and he, he was going to be killed right there. So that was at least a little bit of a misdirect. Just like, oh, here's here's the part where first base dies, and it wasn't. They waited until later. Now, I I I don't like that sequence from a filmmaking point of view, but it's not because I don't buy it. Okay, I buy it. You know, if there if there are prisoners in the prison who just enjoy working on cars, and they say, hey, we we want to. You know, but a car could be a deadly weapon. I just whatever. I'm, I'm I'll, I'll let it go. I the fact that it's unsupervised is the, maybe the part that is yeah, not ridiculous. believable. Like there's nobody in that. And this prison is the worst in the system. Where are they getting the money to pay for all these parts for this hobby? It's an old car. It's probably you know. No, that stuff would be extremely expensive. They're trying to find replacement parts for a car that's like twenty plus years old. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't have answers to these questions. There wasn't eBay. Where, we're not in questions right, yet. Fine, I don't have fine, answers fine. to these questions. What, what's your next little detail? All right. So there's a moment. Frank gives first base a bit of advice. And it's similar to some advice. <laughs> I glanced up and you're giving me a look like of pure contempt. I, I the did. fact that I'm defending this movie. I didn't think this was going to be that contentious. I thought, you know, because I don't like this movie that much. All right. I all don't right. even think we're far, that far apart. I just think <laughs> you're, you sometimes you just get into this mode where you just decide I'm not going to give this movie an inch. <laughs> And you've, you've entered into this mode. We're, we're back in Rocky 2. No, That's where no we're, at. we're not there. We're not there. I, feel, I, I looked up at you, and the face you were giving me was just like, why am I even... I just dislike first... No matter what I say. I dislike first base a lot. I agree. I don't like that character. I, I think that they did a terrible job making that character likable, which is what he, need, he needed to be. Yes. All the right, writing right. and the actor and, and uh, yes. you know, the whole thing. All right, come on. We're, hit me we're in it. agreement there. Hit me with it. All right, but a bit, a bit of, of advice that Frank gives first base... Okay, just the mention of first base, I know, is, is <laughs> annoying you. But it's similar to some advice that we got recently in a bonus episode of ours. Okay. Where he says, your body has to be here, but your mind doesn't. <laughs> Which is similar to the advice that Philip Marlowe gives in The Long Goodbye, except in that case, it's slightly different. It's a little... <laughs> he, he says, remember, your, mind, your body may be here, but your mind is not. <laughs> so there's a subtle difference between your mind I, doesn't have to be here and your mind is not here. But I just thought it was an interesting. It's pretty I, similar. I forgot about that, and that line did really make me laugh in the long goodbye. Yeah, I, mean, I think this is the actual advice that prisoners get: of like, hey, you know, your mind doesn't have to be here, but you're right. The way Marla twists it, your body may be here, but your, your mind, mind is doesn't. not. All right, so I don't know. Um, did you notice the score at all, really, in the movie, other than the football sequence? Only the football sequence, and occasionally in moments where it was a little too saccharine and cloying. It's just like okay, well, uh, there are moments where it's trying too hard to like during piano, like during the car bust up 
sequence. Yeah, that's inappropriate music. Oh, I agree. I, I said it belonged in like the movie Big. It yeah. did not belong in this like gut wrenching destruction of you know their, whatever hope these prisoners had. The music was so inappropriate for I the agree. moment. It was I, terrible. That did jump out of me. It's like uh, this weird bittersweet thing where it's just like you know it should be like they should be like really angry or like. Yes, you know, upset instead of like. Doo, 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 doo. It, it was like honestly, I'm thinking Tom Hanks thinking he wants to go back to you know being 12 years old again. Yeah. That's what that music felt like. No, I know what you mean. It is similar to that. Like just the piano, you know. And I think Bill Conti he uses a lot of piano in his scores. I mean, the Rocky movies use a lot of piano, but in appropriate moments where it's like Rocky. I think most Rocky movies are b- very bittersweet and have a lot of bittersweet moments. But this shouldn't be bittersweet. This is no. like. The warden just taking, you know, revenge on them. Like, oh, it's just a beloved car. I'm yeah, going to smash it's it up. Destroying hope, right? I mean. Yeah. I mean, it should have been very, like, tense. There's, there should be tension in this piece of music, and there's none. You're right. No, it, it jumped out of me also. I agree. Uh, icky Shuffle. We talked about the Icky Shuffle. Okay. One guy. Icky Shuffle. You know how I love background extras in particular when they're just, like, Hamming it up, yeah, or just being inappropriate or something. And here's the thing: these are real prisoners, and I'm sure, like, I saw a lot of uh, people looking at the camera, yeah. uh, stuff like that, because, like, you know, they, it's worth it to get the reality. It's like, sure, you're sometimes you're gonna get a guy looking at the camera, sometimes you're gonna get a guy who's just like not comfortable being back there, but it's worth it because it's like this really feels like a prison because they're using real prisoners. Right? <laughs> There's one guy who's an exception. It's the part where uh, Frank won't snitch on Sonny Landham for having a shank. Yeah, when they first have a conversation, the first, the first introduction of Sonny Lanham, right? And the guards like, "Why didn't you? Why, you know, you're a witness that he had a he had a knife." And he's like, "No, I didn't see anything." You so, got your rules, we got ours. That's right. Yeah. Frank says that, and right behind him is a guy who looks like uh, uh, Robert Smigel's character from Super Fans from Saturday Night Live. Oh <laughs> no, I missed this big old mustache, and uh, you know, again, I'm sure he's a real uh, prisoner and not an actor. But I loved his reaction where Frank's like, you got your rules, we got ours. And then right behind Frank is this guy just nodding vigorously. <laughs> like, he, uh, this guy must have been like, I'm, on, I'm in a movie and I have a chance to make my opinions known about this. <laughs> and this is a legitimate rule. Wide eye, just, mm-hmm, that's right. Like, <laughs> I love that guy. I mean, if, if you watch the movie, look for him. Uh, he, just, he just made me laugh. It's like I, I couldn't help but notice him. All right. So a- another one in the background extra Hall of Fame. So spe- speaking of the shank, in the later sequence when Leone actually gets stabbed with the prison shank, mm-hmm. did you happen to no- notice the grunt? He sounded like the Incredible Hulk. He's like, <laughs> it's like Banner is changing into the Incredible Hulk. I missed it. Yeah, no, it, it was spot on. Was it like Wade and Fargo? No, oh. it wasn't. Oh. No, it was like. <laughs> Oh, I mean, it was like the Incredible Hulk. Okay, I didn't, I didn't notice that. All right, um, all right. I have got the list. I, I saw the menu on, in the cafeteria, so I've got. A I list saw it of, in the background. I didn't pause it though. So I paused it. I wrote it down. I don't all know right. if it's that interesting, other than just the stuff that I guess you don't have a choice about. So it says, okay, breakfast: one serving milk, one serving baked goods, one serving fresh fruit, one quart coffee, one serving juice. So it's like it's interesting how it's just like Milk, everybody coffee and juice. That's yeah. a lot of liquid. Yeah, and like everybody gets all three apparently. So maybe they're trading. Uh, and then lunch it says one quart container of beverage, one serving baked goods, one serving fresh fruit. I guess they just got to leave themselves vague and be vague enough so it There's can be There's not a lot of protein in that diet. That's true. 
I guess the baked goods, I don't you know, it's, it's only lunch. And then for supper, it's a supper. I saw that. Which yes. feels like an old-fashioned word. I don't Very know if people much. say supper. Well, if it was built in the 1700s, it's appropriate. Sure. Yeah, who knows how old that sign is? Actually, that's interesting. Because obviously, <laughs> the building is from the 1840s, but I don't, I don't know if that sign is. But you never oh, know. Yeah. Uh, supper. One item of each item. What, does it actually say this? I wrote this down, and now I'm questioning whether I wrote it down right. One item of each item served online. I guess maybe it does say that. One loaf of bread. One quart beverage. A loaf of bread. And An again, entire loaf of bread. There's no protein. Yeah. A lot of carbohydrates and sugars in that diet. Well, one item of each item served online. That's like, I think that's where you're going down the line. Oh, like, yeah. Here's yeah. this thing. Here's this thing. Here's this thing. This, yeah, thing. this is why, you know, it's just like mom used to make. That's why I shot her. <laughs> Uh, all right. Yeah, you trusted that guy. You're like you were surprised that he betrayed. I don't. I don't know. I'm sure he's joking. I'm sure he didn't yeah, actually shoot us. Joking. But you never know. All right. I think I've only got one. One more that I I really enjoyed. Okay. So, did you notice how all of the prison? Well, I think maybe you only see two of them in the shot. When the the electric chair is turned on, they all flinch. Like, why are they flinching? Do they think the electricity is going to jump out and start like electrocuting them? No, I think they're just shocked that he actually did it. Right, I guess it's more of like a, a jump. They're jumping like out of like fear. Like, I oh guess. my god! I, well, also, also the thing makes a noise for a second. He throws the switch and it's like. <laughs> if it's off, why is it making any kind of noise? That's just for dramatic effect. But yes. you know, I, I didn't bother me that much because you had to have something. Ah! <laughs> oh wait, nothing's happening. Yeah, you needed that noise, so it didn't bother me. It's like you know, it's just one of those. Yeah, know, a, the movie's yeah. taking taking Liberty. some liberties. Yeah, no, it's fine. Um, but well, I think so, that's all. That's all I got. I think. All right, I'm scrolling through. Well, I've got some questions. So I have questions too. Let me just make sure I didn't miss anything. Okay. Yeah, I think I'm good. So let's move on to questions. All right, Devil's Advocate. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. I want to have them answered immediately. So this is the segment where uh, we have come up with questions that each of us will ask of one another and then try to do our best to answer them. That's right. You want to start? Uh, no, I'll let you start. I, I had a lot of uh, little details. So All right, so first things first, the beginning, the, the opening scene where he's in... Uh, his father figure's garage and he's wiping off the dust. Yeah, it's like it was a sawmill in there. <laughs> I, that doesn't bother me. So then a girl walks in and she's just like, oh, you know where I can find a good mechanic? And she's like, oh, I think I do. And then turned, it's revealed that they're, yeah, they're it's, it's his girlfriend or whatever. Yep. Why? What's with this like role play they're doing here? Is this like some a thing they do? Is this like a kink they have? Why is this? <sighs> he's just like, oh, hey, big boy. Some, some stranger. I'm wandering into some strange... Uh, I think in re- I think in reality, it's just a device for the movie, for the introduction of the character to have a little bit of mystery there. I guess, but in terms of okay, why is she doing it? This I is the first time she's he's been out probably in months or even years. Who knows when? Yeah, I, I I actually don't know why he went. He's in that garage rather than with her. But whatever. I, maybe they've already spent some other time together. Right? It you, seems like this is the first time she's seeing him. That's yeah. Um, so, and she, so she spends it being like, "Oh, I'm going to pretend like I don't know you." That's so I think the best answer is yes. They have sort of like Homer and Marge with the janitor in the janitor's closet <laughs> right. of the role play that they they have this that she's she's the stranger whose car you know broke down and she wandered into the only garage in town. Sure. And, and he's the you know lonely lonely uh, uh, not Gomer Pyle. Um, Oh, what was that? <laughs> Cooter. He's Cooter from uh, from the Dukes of Hazard. <laughs> Boy, I didn't expect to get that image in my head. Well, why? <laughs> of what Cooter's getting up to? 
But now, now, now that's in my head. <laughs> I'm glad that I can help. Um, yeah, I did see it, that's how it felt. I had that vibe. So All right, anyway, that's that's my question. So my my first question comes actually the scene right after that. All right, so you've got Frank playing in a far more friendly football game. Why did those kids just let him Frank play in that game? Even if they know him from the neighborhood, I'm still not sure that they'd be comfortable with a prisoner <laughs> playing in a football game with a bunch of little kids. Yeah, I I was one I was speculating that maybe he's got some kind of he was like a college football star or something because he you know, football becomes so prominent later when he's in the prison. Maybe they know him from that or something like Oh, because there's a oh, there's a photograph of him in like a football gear. Oh, is there one of the, one of the things he does saw? I was so focused on Lincoln Hawk, I missed it. So I think I think I I was filling in those gaps and assuming okay. that he was some kind of football star and that they, maybe they know him from that because you know he, he's been in prison for five years and these kids are probably what twelve or thirteen. So they would have been like seven or eight when he went away the first time. Yeah, I'd, all right. I mean, I guess they would remember him. It, it's but. still, it feels a little weird of a prisoner just playing in a pickup football game with neighborhood kids. Yeah, and dominating. I, he was truly dominating. I do like, uh, it, it really brought me back the moment where he throws the touchdown pass, right? Or does he just run it? I forget. No, he throws, he throws it. it. Yeah, he throws it. And then the, the moment where he's like, all right, loser's walk, or <laughs> suckers, a suckers walk. <laughs> yes. I was like, wow, that's a moment that really brings me back. It, bring, it Loser's brought, walk. It's like, I haven't, brought me back to. I haven't thought about that concept <laughs> since I was 15. Can I? So I scored, you walk. Let me ask you that. That, yeah, so on how did you handle losers definitely walked for the kickoff? Did you actually have to kick or punt or could you throw it in your pickup football games? Do you remember? I think we threw it. I think we weren't threw you it involved too. in any of those games? I was in some of those, but I played in other ones too that I don't think you played in. So that's yeah, def- I definitely there were two groups and yeah, yeah there were all right. Um, I think we just threw it or maybe, no, I think we punted it. I don't remember. I think most of the ones I was in, we threw it. But if there was somebody who could actually kick, then they would actually punt it. See, my my argument was always, I mean, I, I always lost this argument because losers walk, and that's the rule. Like, that's just, that's the playground rule. But the problem with losers walk is both teams are always going the same way. Yeah. And especially if there's a field that is weird or has, like, some kind of quirk to it if you're just playing. You it's know, unfair. Like, yeah. yeah. It, I feel like, you know, play it. You know, we go this way, you go that way. Change, if, yeah, change I, it up. I understand that you scored, and if you're going in this direction, that means you walk, but tough. That's the way football should be. It's one team goes you know, north, one team goes south. This I, guy's saying, what do you want from me? I, I, don't, I don't disagree with you on it, but I probably didn't come to your defense if you ever tried to actually argue for it No, I mean, it's, 20 it's, years ago. It's, it's a, just a pickup game. Like, yeah, I'm going to argue for like the rules. We must follow them. Yeah, yes. obviously. It was, it was a dumb argument to be making on my part. All right, my turn? Yep, you're up. All right. Uh, should we talk about the cockroach rages, or do you want to? Say yeah, it? all right. Let's. Uh, I want to see what your question is. So I just didn't understand the betting because. All right, it's okay, the same thing. We have let's the same go. Question. All right, you fire away. So let's see if we can answer it together. Yep. So yeah, uh, Dallas says two will get you three, five will get you four. Those are, are those odds? Is that like two to three and five to four? Like, I, I, I didn't those, even understand what he was saying. Okay, I think those were the odds. My problem is he doesn't see who makes bets, who what <laughs> what they're betting on. He's got it all up here in his head. But they all throw their cigarettes into the same box. So how does he know who put what in there? And then I, I, the answered, I answered my, <laughs> my, uh, my own question. I guess in the end, Dallas just steals the cigarettes anyway, so it doesn't really matter. But yeah, the, I think the he, whole betting system, we have really undermined every single movie I think we've covered. If there's gambling involved from the running man, I mean, every one we have just taken apart how absurd the system is. 
Yeah, I mean, the problem with gambling is no movie is going to want to take the time to do it properly because it, most of the time it does take time to explain, yeah. you know, what is a money line versus, you know, like, uh, you know, a parlay. It's like no one's, no one in a movie is ever going to explain these things unless the movie is deliberately, specifically okay, about gambling. But at a very, very minimum, Dallas should have been writing down, oh, this guy put in three and he bet on Stallone's cockroach. I... I Yes, he was, dirt, dirt creature. Oh, uh, what was it on rear engine or rear entry? No, it wasn't. <laughs> yeah, it, maybe it was rear engine. And I, I, I think misunderstood. I thought he said rear entry. I thought <laughs> the whole thing is I, doesn't Stallone make a face at it? Like, oh, really? Rear entry? <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Maybe it's rear no, engine. But. I think it was rear engine because Stallone was pushing the car. That's what I think it was. <laughs> no, I think he says rear entry, but I could be wrong. I'm not sure which one of us is correct here, but that's what I heard anyway. Great. Now all I can think of is 8mm in backdoor films. <laughs> Forgot about God. that. No, Stallone reacts to it in a way that made it seem like he was no, reacting to a filthy thing. I know. I think it's because it's rear engine, and he's reacting because that's poking fun at him pushing the car. That's what I oh, think. Yeah, because he definitely makes a reaction like, oh, that's nice. Like, yeah, no, that's what I think. All right, so okay. so neither one of us could re- – the, the the betting system made no sense. Dallas, yeah. I think it was just a scam to steal cigarettes. He says all bets are off, but he <laughs> does keep all the cigarettes. <laughs> yeah, I'll sort it out later. He just kept them all. I think we're led to believe that he is keeping track of all the bets in his head. Okay. But bet, betting has happened fast and furiously. That's, and, but my point is is that they all just throw him in. I could have like thrown in any amount, and he wouldn't have known what I put in there. Okay, well, here's my actual question. All right. Because they're racing their cockroaches, and it looks like uh, uh, first bases is going to lose, and he intervenes and flicks the cockroach. Yep. How is that guy not getting eight shivs in his gut? There is There are cigarettes on the line. <laughs> this is the currency of this prison. And these guys are hardened prisoners, hardened criminals. What are you doing? I wouldn't want to mess with these guys gambling. Oh, no, like because they're that. all buddies. They built a car together. I don't, some of those guys we'd never seen before or after. A lot of the guys making placing the bets. Oh, you're right. There are a couple in there that you don't know. Yeah, the the because Dallas is running the game and, and just stealing cigarettes. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, maybe that's. But then, how is he not getting a million shanks? That Dallas, I don't know. Dallas somehow manages to float above the fray and never has any violence acted upon him. Or well, until he threatened. gets electrocuted, he electrocutes himself. Well, sure, by the guards. Yeah, but like even like uh, you're right. None of the prisoners beat him up, yeah, and so, they probably all have reason to. Sonny Landham doesn't seem to even pay him any attention or anything no, like that. He leaves him alone. You're right. Even Frank McRae takes a couple hits in the football game, and he's like a you know, kindly, you know, older guy. You're right. He, why, who could hate Frank McRae? And even he takes some hits. Dallas is the only one who is. Above reproach. Yeah, I feel like I feel like he's the most hateable of all of them. Tom Sizemore in prison, like that, just it being be. so unlikable. I feel it, like that guy wouldn't last a week. All right, so here's my question: If if Gateway is such a terrible prison, where does the warden get the money to restore the electric chair? So what my question is: Did Frank could he have just really gotten him on misappropriation of funds? Uh. Well, is it possible they're using this I electric chair? I have a much chair? more sinister word for it. Misappropriation. <laughs> Are we supposed to believe that this is now being used for executions? Like, now that he's no. restored it? No, it's not being... That's the, that's the point why it's a misappropriation. He could have spent the money on something legitimate that the prison needed. No, Instead, saying, he restores it to show how the way things used to be should be. But I, I'm saying... Is the idea that he restored it in the hopes that it would once again be used no. for executions? No, it's the on the on basically as a visual aid to show the prisoners who's boss. 
Okay, but do you th- are there executions happening in this prison, do you think? No, I don't think so. Okay. Uh, that I don't know. I hadn't thought about that. But it wouldn't be with the electric chair. I, I assumed that he restored this thinking that it would once again be used. No. Like, he's like, this is the way it ought to be. This is the way it ought to be. That's what the point is. is he's trying to show when it was a tougher time. But it's like he's like getting all his ducks in a row. So like, if one day they let him start executing people okay. by electric chair, he's like, okay, I'm ready to go. If they I, do, I think that's fine. Said. But how would whatever the Bureau of Prisons, why would they not take issue with the fact that he is put money into something that cannot be used? Okay, understand I'm playing devil's advocate. You're, yes. starting, to, you're starting to make that face again. I'm playing devil's advocate, but I will say the warden probably has a lot of leeway. He's got a budget, and he can spend it in ways in whatever way he sees fit. And he spent, he decided to spend his budget on this electric chair. Right. I mean, he he could have spent that budget securing all these tunnels. <laughs> that's what my that point lead is. All over the place. So, you know, like uh, it's. I don't know if I'd say go so far to say misappropriation, but it, not an effective use of his budget. I think it's probably more accurate. I don't know if all I'd right. go so far as a misappropriation because you know some you people think- still get executed by electric chair. It doesn't happen very often, but it still happens. So it's like a thing that a prison might need one day. And I think it's like he could probably justify it. To whoever, you know, the governor or whoever would be asking about it. All right. I think it's a stretch, but okay. <laughs> What's your next one? It's just, no, it's fine. I, I think I have one more, but we're, we're going to go. We're getting into the, wall, the mode where you're just becoming a brick wall. It's no, fine. I'm it not. happens from time to time. What do you got? <laughs> All right. My last question. Give me is, the Drew Rosenhaus. Next question. No, this, this is, well, I have two more questions. One, right. one sort of a logistical thing or just like a story thing that I didn't understand. There's a moment where Frank drops a cigarette down a pipe. Yeah, that he gets l- from Dallas. And then later, I think he drops down that pipe. So it's like, is there is there something that I missed in terms of, like, he did that to now he knows that that's a way out or something? I didn't uh, understand what I, the connection was. Yeah, so it's the same. He uses that as the head fake that he makes the guards think he went down that. Oh, right. He doesn't actually go down. He doesn't go down, but he makes it appear that it is. And I think the initial test was... He was testing, I think, to see the depth more than anything else, and that's what the cigarette was for, to okay. see if it, was, if it legitimately would be a way to escape. And then he just uses it. He doesn't escape that way. He uses it a head fake. Okay. No, that, uh, thank you. Yeah. That makes sense. All it right. was just like somehow I just didn't put two and two together. No, that's fine. Uh, I got one more. So if, what All right. You I got, think yeah. I've got two more. All right. One on. of them we talked about a little bit, but I'll ask anyway. How does Frank Leone think that taking the warden hostage is not going to get him additional prison time? Oh, yeah. We need to talk about this. And so I, it seems to me like if, if you're going to get more time either way, go for the escape. Yeah, but he doesn't want to spend his life running from you. That's true. <laughs> You know, he explains why he doesn't escape. Here's what I will say. All right. Now that we're in devil's advocate, I don't necessarily believe this. Know that this is 100 uh, percent the way it would work, but I feel like there's an element of entrapment going on with the warden goading Frank into escaping. A by setting up the scenario that someone's going to harm his girlfriend, and B by getting Dallas to lead him into a trap where his guards are waiting, and it's just like. There's a certain element of entrapment going on where I don't know if it would get him off the hook entirely, but in a similar, it's it's almost like the same thing repeating again, where maybe he gets another slap on the wrist like he got with his minimum security thing. Maybe he ends up with probation or something. All right. But it would be, well, it would, let me just say this. You're probably right that he would be charged with something, and maybe those charges would be serious, but, you know, you'd... It's a separate trial that would have to go through proceedings. Like, for a time, he would be free. You know, he has served his time on the escape, yeah. his first escape All attempt. Right. So maybe maybe it does happen. But he's got, you know, character witnesses on his side. He's got John Amos there to say That's he's a right. good guy. 
Yeah. You know, Johnny has learned how to laugh over the course of this movie. And so. smile. <laughs> you don't know, like, but you, is this a smile? I thought it was laugh. No, a smile. A smile. Okay. And then you do get a smile. Yeah. So. That's a nice moment. It is. What, uh, what do you got last? Uh, okay. Where does Frank get that electrical tape at the end? I guess this is similar to the knife. He, t- he ties himself to the, the, the lever of, yeah. oh, of the uh, electric chair. And he ties it with electrical tape. Yeah. And you never see him pick up electrical tape or who knows where it came now, from. No, it has to came from the same kit that had the knife, but I have no idea where he got it. See, I, I hadn't thought about that one either. See, I would buy the warden keeps a knife in his drawer. I don't know if I'd buy He keeps electrical tape. What's he going to do with electrical tape? He's the warden. He's not, well, he's not well, putting it into labor. If they just restored that chair to working order, there might just be a roll of electrical tape. <laughs> Someone left from it there? The, yeah, from the trade guy who was there. He's just, ah, you know what? I don't need it. I'm just going to leave it behind. You know, like duct tape. Uh, that warden is pretty persnickety. I don't know if he would abide that. He'd be like, "This is someone move this out of the way." This, this is my newly restored chair. I don't want it to have any garbage laying around. <laughs> You're probably right. For some reason, the knife didn't even jump out at me, but the electric tape did. All of a sudden, he's like, "I'm going to pull the, the the lever," and then the guards are about to bust in, and he just goes, "He just pulls it out of his pocket." It's like You're right. No, I'm, what's funny is I missed that one, but I got the knife. That was the one. I was like, "What? Where did that come from?" But the knife, I totally bought. I never even thought about it. All right. So, so my my last it. question is actually related to that exact thing okay so why wouldn't the guards fire as soon as frank pulled down on the electric chair lever what's the point well the horse is out of the barn at that point they can't stop the electric chair from they think he's done it that's what my point is is so why wouldn't they fire on him immediately because the reason they're not shooting at him initially is because he is the lever is in the up position and it's the dead you know dead man hand or whatever right that you kill him and he'll slump down and pull the lever down well he's already pulled the lever down you shoot him Frank should have been shot there. But what do they gain from that other than just... I mean, if this was real, they would have shot him. No question about it. But I think that's just like a gut reaction. Like, he's moving, shoot. You know, like, almost like a fear response. Logically speaking, I don't know if that does anything. Like, if... if, Because he's got nowhere to go. He's not going to escape. It's not like they need to shoot him to make sure that he's caught or whatever. I I guess. I I think reactionary, they... To me, they would have immediately. I agree. The I agree. They would have. Yeah. All right. It seems like most of the guys who are in that room are the guys who don't like Drumgold. <laughs> you know, it's like all of Drumgold's guys were electrocuted downstairs, but in, in, <laughs> or beat up downstairs. Right. Anyway. All right. Well, that's. Uh, I think that's it for Devil's Advocate. Okay. Let's move on to the Silk, Silk Cozar. Cozar Corner. Both of y'all. Yes. Y'all. So this is a segment where I I generally go on sort of a tangential deep dive into some piece of trivia or just a piece of information that uh, just some some topic that uh, i find interesting all right what did you come up with so i didn't come up with anything so here's here's what happened the first thing i wanted to do was look at the history of the icky shuffle <laughs> turns out there is no history of the icky shuffle Icky woods he did it one game and then yeah. it became a thing and it became a thing for like one season and that yeah. was it so here's here's my thought and you tell me if this is something you're interested in doing if not i'll just cut this out and i've got a backup plan all right We've now covered six movies that have to do with prison escapes, either directly or indirectly. Yeah. Four in a row. So I wonder if we've learned anything, not just from, you know, this movie, but from, you know, all the both escape plans from Tango and Cash. With all the information that we've learned from these movies, how good would we be at escaping a prison? And more to the point, how good would you be? Because my thought is, there's a computer game called Prison Architect. It's a game where you build a prison, and it's just like a management game where you hire guards and you set routes. And yeah. But there's a mode in this game, which is called Escape Mode, where you try to escape from the prison that you built. <laughs> so what I'm going to propose 
I'm going to try to recreate this prison. I, I you know, the, the, the Jersey prison. Yeah. And I'm not ready yet, obviously, because it's something that would take some time. But I'd say we can record, you know, because, you know, we're a couple of months ahead right now. So we've got yeah. some time. If I, I, if I built a prison in this game and then, you know, I coached you and explained to you how the game worked and, you know, it'll probably take 30 to 45 minutes and I'll cut it down to like the highlights and I'll just narrate I'll what say, you're doing. I'll say this. I'm willing to try. <laughs> okay. But the only thing I've learned so far from, well, not the only, the majority is, is always to have a plan B. And I don't think this game is going to matter if I have a plan B. It might. You know, all uh, Ray Breslin alone taught you all, all you need to know. You know the layout, you know you need help, and you need to know the routines. So. All right. I'm I'm willing to try, but I have a feeling I'm going to fail miserably. Okay. So we'll record that later. But for the listeners, it'll happen right now. Uh, and if this turns out to not work, they won't even hear this, so it won't matter. Because you have a plan B. That's true. That's true. I do have a plan B. Uh, but we can record that at a later date if this doesn't work out. Okay, Mike. It's been a month since we recorded the lockup episode, and here we are. We're about to go through this grand experiment. Of Prison Architect. Prison Architect. I have recreated the prison that was featured in the movie Lockup, which was the East Jersey Correctional Center, State Correctional Center. And in this game, this game is where you, the, the main thrust of this game is you create a prison and you manage it, but there's also an escape mode Okay. where you can take control of one character or a set of characters and try to escape. All right. So that's what we're going to do today. This will be an interesting experiment. We're also recording this on video for YouTube. Yeah, it'll be, uh, I think, our first YouTube posting, so it makes the Arms Race podcast legitimate on YouTube. Multimedia. We are, <laughs> exactly. we are entering the world of multimedia. Yes. So what's going to happen is uh, you're going to try to escape from this prison that I created. An edited version of this is going to go on the podcast. So if you're listening to this on the podcast, you're going to hear some edits here. I'm only going to put together the highlights. Uh, and if you're watching this on YouTube, I'm going to be narrating this for the benefit of the podcast listeners. So sorry. If you're wondering why I'm narrating everything, because you know, a lot of people are not going to be able to see these visuals. So uh, the raw video is going to go up on YouTube. So I guess we should just get started. I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> I'll explain how the game works, but first, I'm going to give you a tour of the prison. Okay. So this is, again, based on East Jersey State Correctional Center. I just took a satellite photo and tried to recreate it as best I could. Well done. So if you remember from the movie, here's your football field. Yep. Uh, here's here's the uh, the yard where uh, Sonny Landham had his spot. That's Yes. That's my spot. Um, it didn't matter where. It was his spot. These are all his spots. Yes. So, okay. So, you've got your three wings. There's your minimum security down here. All right. You've got your medium security here and your maximum security here. Now, you're going to start off controlling four characters. One of them is a Frank Leone, Sylvester Stallone alike. Okay. For reasons that I'm not going to go into, I, I meant for all of all four characters to be in medium security, but because I was goofing around with this and I accidentally... I was trying to escape myself, and what ended up happening was I tried to escape, I got caught, and then I got put in Max. maximum security. Yeah. So you're going to start with Stallone's character here. <laughs> Your goal is, within 36 hours, you're going to start at 7 a.m. on day one. All you right. need to escape by 10 p.m. on day two. <laughs> now, you can control all four characters. They can all be doing things. Uh, I can, I'll coach you on what, the things you can do. There's all sorts of things you can do. You can dig tunnels. You can attack guards and take their keys. There's places where you can, you know, I mean, it just talk. Out, what I would suggest is talk out loud All right. and say, okay, here's what I would like to do, and I'll tell you whether it's possible or not or what you yeah. need to do to, uh, All right. to do that. So, okay. So here's your mess hall, just kind of giving you a lay of the land. Uh, and then way over here, 
There's your boxing ring where first base <laughs> tragically met his end. Yes. Uh, there's a library here, and then here is your uh, auto shop, which you were very critical of. <laughs> Extremely critical, yes. So, but obviously, it must be somewhat legitimate if you can make that choice here on this game. Uh, well, I had to download some mods. Like nope. some of these vehicles, there's mods that you can download. There's a lot of mods for this game. Nope. By the way, I really enjoy this game. Obviously, I've played it for 200 and whatever, 89 hours, whatever we looked at. Uh, here's a power uh, station. That all the power comes from this building, just FYI. Okay. You're not allowed in this building. If a guard sees you go in there, you will be attacked. But the door is not locked. Okay. So I'm just telling you that right now. Um, and then some classrooms up here, and there's another. Here's like a woodworking shop up here. Okay. So this is a game where you can find things in certain places. Like if you're looking for a tool, maybe look for in the workshops. Like yeah. That sort of thing, is like, that's, that's kind of how you should be thinking. Gotcha. Um, and then, as an alternate goal, if you want to kill the warden, he's right here. <laughs> I'm, Donald Sutherland, I'm coming for you. Yes, exactly right. Okay, so hit load, and uh, you're, I, I will be here to help. I will give you tips, but I'm not going to like tell you where to go. So, okay. All right, so this is Frank Leone? Yes. He's, your, right. he's your Sylvester Stallone. And then you've got your three buddies here the, up, up in the top left. If you, you click on any of them, you can control them in separately. Okay. But if you click on their names, they will follow you. So if you're like, hey, come to me. Gotcha. All right, so then if I wanted them to come find me, I'd click on their name? Yes, but they can't get into the maximum security wing. They're not allowed in there. Okay. So, so you see, like, in the upper right of the screen, there's, like, red lines. That shows you where you're not allowed to go. So if you go in those areas, a guard's going to beat you up. Gotcha. All right, so where am I right now? You're in the, that mess of, like, guys in the shower. People? Yeah. Oh, okay. So, do I have anything I'm supposed to be doing right now? Uh, I think you just hit, like, I think Q and E will switch between your guys. I think that's what you just did. Yeah, that's fine. I'm just trying to figure out what, there I am. All right, yep. I see. So, am I actually supposed to be doing a job or you, anything? No, you can do whatever you want. Oh, okay. You don't need to worry about, like, having your meals or anything like that. It'll tell you in the upper right, right now you're supposed to be in the shower, but you can wander off. Okay. As long as you don't go in those, like, red areas. Uh, something bad happened here. Oh, <laughs> some, uh, a fight or something happened here. Oh, there's an escape happening. Whoa. Go really? to the right. Look to the right. All those guys are trying to escape. Well, I'm, gonna try. I'm going with that. Yeah, I mean, you may, have luck- I- you may have lucked out here. <laughs> it's like a riot. I'm going to see if I can just ride the coattails. This has not happened in any of the, the times that I've done this. Oh, this is nonsense. <laughs> they just, just busted down the door. Frank Leone. All right, deliveries. Nope, I guess I can't get through there. Those green doors are, are staff doors, so you need a key for those. Gotcha. <laughs> oh, no, no. This is so lucky. I, I feel like this is cheating. <laughs> I can't believe this is happening. I'm going for it. It's because you're in debt. No, it's because this is a hellhole of a prison. So are they I just figured trying to, like, I w- beat down the door? Yeah, they're just knocking down doors. That's amazing. Where are my guards? I don't know, but I can't. I somehow am like you're there. like in this mass of guys. <laughs> I don't think this is going to end up getting edited at all on the podcast because you're escaping in like two minutes. This is amazing. It's better to be lucky than good. So, boo. <laughs> I'm, I'm very disappointed. Here's the thing. <laughs> I'm doing what exactly that I said. Right. I'm not going with that big mass of guys. You need to split off and just take off. But yeah, but I didn't expect. Okay, so am I gone? Yeah, you escaped. It says escape right there. Oh, nice. <laughs> this was the most anticlimactic. This isn't going on YouTube. <laughs> I mean, all, my only requirement was that, you know, Leone, the Leone equivalent escape. 
Oh, it looks like the door is locked now, huh? So the guards figured it out? Well, the, like, the entire maximum security wing has escaped. I think the guards are now getting things are under control. At least one guy died. There's a dead dude right there. I so can le- you can left-click to punch, but I don't know if you want to... You've succeeded. Yeah, but don't I have to get everybody out? No, I was just saying, just get Frank out, and you've... All right, well, here's he's the one in the movie that has the crisis that needs to escape. Here's the thing is, I'll, I'll try and get somebody else out. So let's... I'll try <laughs> I'm and do fine this. calling it right now. You've succeeded wildly. I can't believe that that happened. Okay, you can switch to another guy. All right. What are we doing here? Uh, your Dallas equivalent. Oh, apparently he had a job in the kitchen. Oh. All right, so I got a fork and a spoon. You're not allowed out there. What? This is a private minimum security area. <laughs> Only minimum security is allowed in here. That's a locked uh, guard door. All right, so is this a fence? Yeah. You could probably just go right back in and yeah. you'll be fine. Oh, no. Hit space or fight them one or the other. <laughs> you're in trouble for going in a place you're not supposed to go. Because the minimum security... Oh, boy. You just killed that guard. <laughs> oh, I think I made him deadly. <laughs> So you just punched him with one punch, you killed him. Well, no, I, I think I had the, the fork or the spoon. Oh, maybe you killed him with the fork, yeah. I think I may have also made him deadly. Okay, you're not unconscious. Oh. <laughs> All right, we'll so try. I mean, you can take. Uh, okay, so here's your, your first base again. All right, I'm in the workshop. Here we go. Oh, that's a good one. What do we got? Is that a gun? Oh, it's, it's a, a drill. It's a drill. Oh, all right. <laughs> all right. So could I use the drill to drill out a door that I can't get into? <laughs> uh, well, you can use the door to uh, the drill to attack a door and knock it down, basically. All right. Where's the... Uh, uh, so, yes, essentially, yes. Where's the power plant? Uh, it's down. I think it's straight down from where you are now. <laughs> I want to try and use the drill. To just Can I cut the power where they can't put it back on? <laughs> <laughs> you can, you can uh, try. Is this it? Yeah, that's it. Is this actually doing anything? Uh, I think so. I think those those things take a lot of damage. But those capa- those capacitors go down fast if you want to focus on those. There you go. So the power, like in, the, I think it's the bottom left of the prison, is now out. Because couldn't I just knock out the power and then other people try and escape and? Well, not necessarily, because a lot of the doors only open from power. Like, a lot of the doors are controlled by, like, switches. Oh, he's got somebody coming to fix it. Come yeah. on. Oh, yeah, the guys are coming to fix it. So use the mouse. you got to point it at the, at the guy. I thought I did. No, the mouse is below you. See, that, see where your pointer is? Oh, I got you. Oh, he got you. Oh, man. All right, well, a brute force attack did not work. I'm not doing very well here. <laughs> you already won. <laughs> yeah, but that was totally by luck. <laughs> Cleaning cupboard. You had the foresight to uh, follow the herd. All right, what did I get? Poison. <laughs> you, you can kill the warden for an alternate victory. Can I? Can I mix the? Can I mix these two together? <laughs> I don't and, think so. And give an offering to the warden? I don't think so. So in the clean. Oh, the clean. So it must be some sort of a bleach or something. Yeah. Let's see if there's anything else. Yeah, I don't know if there's anything in the common room you can get. All right. There I'm, are video games. I like your idea. I'm going to make a run at the warden. With my <laughs> last guy, I'm going to make a run at the warden. So I, I can point you towards the warden's office. All right. He's going to make a break for it. I'm going for it. You don't have any weapons, so I'm not even sure. You can try punching him. All the way down left. All the way at the end of this hallway. So, so, so how would I give him... Oh, there's weapons in there. If you go, you can get a gun in 
This uh, this is where they keep the guns. Look around for a gun. There's a gun. Pass where? this table up and left. Uh, there, shotgun. Uh, any of these circles. Click on any of these circles. You I passed think, three guns. There's no way I would have got him fast enough. I'm going for the warden. <laughs> so how would, I, would would it still be attack with the poison? I don't know how you use the poison. I'm not even sure. I'm not sure if you can. There's the warden's office to your right. There's the warden. That guy. You're trying to use the war. The, drop, drop the poison. I don't know if you can do anything with it. Now and then punch. There's you too remember, many of them. Remember, you gotta po- point your mouse at a guy. Uh, yeah, I'm just not good at this. Who's in there with the warden? Someone's like having a, a annual review in there. Was I it think in the he- psychologist was in there. Was it in here? Oh no! Nope, it's up one more, up more. The next hallway to the right. Yeah, you gotta get a gun. <laughs> That's what I'm trying for. There. To the right, and then up, and then just any circle. Click on it. I have no idea how to use the guns in the game. I've never. There you go. You gotta just take a couple beatings, I think. Ah! You got a handgun, pistol, point at a guy and shoot. Alright, you gotta equip it. Click on it. I've tried! <laughs> now shoot. Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> they had guns too. It turns out they're in the room with all the guns also. It's amazing how that worked. You shot once and they shot right back. Did I at least get somebody? I think you hit one of them, yeah. Oh man. You see that armed guard there? He was ready. He was ready to get you. <laughs> well, I failed miserably. Okay. Well, you, you succeeded. Yeah, but by pure luck. I, I mean, you, you thought to follow them. I think you should spin that, that you led the charge. <laughs> you led that escape. I was just laying prisoners. and waiting. And that was the thing, too, right? I was kind of hanging back, let those other guys do all the punching. <laughs> and they got tired from over-punching. They took That's out true. the guards, and I just took off. Yeah, you led from the rear in that escape, for <laughs> Absolutely. sure. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I think, uh, I mean, that was kind of amazing. The fact that that even happened is so crazy. <laughs> yeah, you, you understand how much time I put into building this prison and then, like, creating all of this. I, I set up set this up so you would have four guys who were kind of analogs from the movie, and I gave you all this rep points that you could spend. And Oh, I thought it would be this whole elaborate thing. <laughs> I think I think it took less than an hour in game time. You woke up at seven a.m. and you would escape by eight a.m. <laughs> I'm also, you know what? I'm really surprised you didn't try and recreate Hades from Escape Plan Two. <laughs> I'd say that that'll be the next time we do this. But uh, considering what a failure I was at being the warden, <laughs> I don't. I can't be humiliated again. That was. I will. I am kind of ashamed at the quality of my prison. But uh, yeah, we should let's sign off. Uh, right. Yeah, if you're watching this on YouTube, look for us. Look for Arms Rights Podcast. We watch movies. We don't usually do video game stuff. Nope. All right. All right. Thanks for watching. Thanks. All right. right, So then uh, with that, we're time to move to what the podcast is all about, the body count. Yeah. Hopefully that was entertaining if that worked. (laughs) If not, (laughs) we'll see. All right. Body count. This movie, we only killed 48 people compared to the last one that we killed 119. So, yeah, we're we are. Boy, I can't talk today. We're comparing Arnold Schwarzenegger's body count to Sylvester Stallone's. Arnold had an average body count of 14.76 per movie. Uh, Stallone had zero again. Very common. It's turning out. It is. There's three in this. You've got first base, Dallas, and Manly the guard. Yep. And uh, none of them related to Stallone. Yeah. And uh, Stallone was very close. This is he he, He almost almost got got to the point where he almost got uh, Sonny Landham. Yeah, I think I'm realizing the average body count per movie is not going to be the horse race. Because, well, ra- again, we say this every episode, but Rambo's going to have to carry it. But I think the fact that Stallone made so many more movies than Arnold. Yeah, and different 
genres of movies in particular. That's that's the big reason. Why. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I think the only way Stallone's going to beat Arnold's in total bodies, but uh, we'll see. So anyway. Zero on this one, so now Sylvester Stallone has 225 on the body count, spread across 20 movies that we've covered, with an average of 11.25 per movie. So, for once, I would like that number to tick up, just briefly. <laughs> but no, if, if, if anyone's graphing this, it's just down and down and down and down, especially at least since like the first couple episodes. It's been a downward tread the whole way. Yep. All right, so let's move on to the Wrecking Crew Award. Outstanding achievement Ah, I still love that one so much. <laughs> it's new. Well, it'll, it'll get we'll no, get sick of it soon. I won't because of Walter Peck. That's the that actually is the key in that. Yeah. Walter Peck. It'll add an extra four episodes before we get sick of it. Uh, I had a tough time on this one, but I ultimately decided to give it to Leone. He uh, he gets justice is served, and uh, he 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 gets the award from me. So yeah. I give it to Stallone. Yeah, I mean he's he proves himself capable for sure, and he gets himself. Out of a very difficult situation. I, I kind of wanted to give it to Frank McRae in Eclipse because I just like Frank McRae, and he does lay that guy out, but well, I, I couldn't. That, that's exactly what I was about to say. Is It seems like you tend to give the award for like the overall performance, and I tend to give it for like an individual moment, and that's exactly right. I gave it to Frank McRae. Cause he <laughs> oh, you did this. Big, I'm glad then. I feel like we balanced each other yeah, out. Yeah, exactly. For the football sequence, he lays a guy out, and then he does the icky shuffle. So... <laughs> I think for that alone, I think he deserves and, it. And for me, it's like, honestly, Frank McRae is one of my favorite parts of Last Action Hero. I felt bad. This is probably my best opportunity to give Frank McRae something and, and ultimately didn't. I'm glad you did. I, Frank McRae is always great, even when he's in terrible movies, like Batteries Not Included. <laughs> Last time in Rocky II, we talked about him. And, you know, uh, yeah, Frank McRae, he, he, you know, he's a great character actor. He, every time he pops up, yeah. it's always nice to see him. All right, so it's time to, for the Rocky rating. All right. Punching car accident victim. No, 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 you don't understand. He was bad mouthing my film. So this is where we uh, give our overall rating for the movie based on the opponents in the Rocky movies from Apollo Creed to Spider Rico. Yeah, that's our scale. Uh, so like we need to work the word scale into yes. the explanation. I will lead off. I, I went with a Tommy gun on this one. Okay. See, I, and I went back and forth. I had a Mason Dixon at one point, but my second viewing through, I'm like, eh, this just isn't. This isn't a good movie. It's not a terrible movie, but it's not a good movie. And Mason Dixon is supposed to be right kind of mediocre down the middle, and I, I think that this is slightly worse than that. Okay. Well, I think it's slightly better. Oh. I'm, I'm, I'm giving it a clever lang. Wow. That, that's a surprise. I, I figured – I actually thought we both would be Mason Dixon on this. Okay. I feel like this has happened a couple of times where I've sort of liked a movie and you've sort of disliked the movie, yeah. and we're, we're bookmarking the Mason Dixon – yeah, I'm borderline. I mean, talking through it, it's clear that this movie has problems. But at the same time, I'm not, not going to let your negativity bring me down the cynic of this podcast. I am, I am, Whatever. I am pure and optimistic, and I'm going to give movies a chance. I'm like you. you. Just come in with your negative thoughts. Let me ask you this. Would you ever watch this movie? You own it now. Because I own it, it was, now. It was cheaper to buy it than it was to rent it, which is funny. Yeah, surprisingly expensive Amazon rental. I think it was like a $4 rental, and it was like four fifty for the Blu-ray or something like that. <laughs> I may as well just buy the Blu-ray. Yeah. Um, Would, will you ever watch it again? Yeah. I, there are parts of this movie I enjoyed quite a bit. Okay. I think the movie is dragged down by the middle section where it's trying to make you care about first base and a car, <laughs> which I don't care about either of those things. <laughs> but 
everything. If it was Herbie the Love Bug, would you care about it? <laughs> if they escaped in Herbie the Love Bug, then sure. <laughs> Uh, no, everything up until that point, I was enjoying. I do like, we never really talked about the speech that Stallone gives. And it's a, it's maybe a little out of left field and a little uh, it out, felt of out of character. character. I think it's a good delivery and a good performance by Stallone. It felt out of character for Frank Leone. Yeah, it's, there's a speech he gives where he's, he, we also never talked about the part where he's in the hole for like. Yeah, that to me actually was probably the, that was tough. Yeah, that was, yeah. That was an effective sequence because yeah. He, they make him like give his name and uh, prisoner number, prisoner and number. He, he can't remember after a while because he's been in the hole so long. Um, and then he comes out, and he's. I, I just assumed it's because he's been in the hole, and yeah. it's like he's still really messed up by Shaking. the whole thing. Sure. And he gives a whole speech about like, ah, oh, this, this car isn't ours. We never, you know, you know, the warden had every right to destroy it. It was his car. This is his prison, and you know, he owns all of us. And you know, basically, just you know, it's it, in part it was kind of an artificial way to create a downbeat. So you need to. It's the end of the second act, and things need to be bad for everybody. Right. But I think, yeah, it was Stallone gives a good performance in that scene. He manages to make it work, even though it doesn't really make a lot of sense why he'd be saying these things. Basically, everything before they start working on the car, and everything after that scene where he gives his whole speech, I think really works for me. It's just, yeah, the life just comes out of this movie. It's a f- almost 15-minute sequence of them building a car, and I did like the music choice. That I think the only thing that carried me through is "I'm a vehicle baby." You know, I, this, it's a fun '70s song that I enjoy. But yeah, that that whole mo- the whole sequence just kills this movie. Uh, yeah, I, and for me, I think the second viewing through, I disliked first base even more, and because so much hinges on that relationship. And it doesn't make sense why he wants to take him under his wing. He's got six months, whatever. He's been there a week. He's like, let me show yeah. you how, how things are. Yeah, I, none of it makes sense. I, I think that. If somehow that character was written differently, this is probably a Mason Dixon for sure for me, and maybe even Clubber Lang. That just too much hinges on first base, and they they whiffed on I think casting as well as writing. I think, but the thing is, in the end, almost nothing hinges on first base because it seems like it is, but then in the end, that doesn't work, and it's they pivot to something else. Yeah, they pivot to something else. That's true, but the problem is, is such a huge chunk of the movie is taken up with that relationship that that's the reason why the movie doesn't work as well for me. Oh, I agree. It's just that in the end, it just ends up being like this weird detour. And honestly, I'm sure you could, uh, if you lifted that sequence, all, all of the first base stuff out of the movie, or just made him a minor character. Uh, it's probably an hour-long movie. So. That's that's the problem. Yeah, right. it, it, it is poorly conceived. Like, they just shouldn't it's have just had constru- that. Yeah, it's not constructed well. But, I, but I mean, it, it, the movie still works for me that's fine. despite that. Yeah. I'm not saying I love this movie or anything. No, I, just, and I, I, I thought it was okay. I, I, honestly, I think it's a Mason Dixon easily for either one of us. Again, I don't. This isn't like, well, oh, this was you know total garbage trash. I'm not being that down on it, but I I don't. I think it has too many faults to say that it's just a you know down the middle for me. And you think that there's enough positive things being the optimist on the podcast <laughs> that a little bit of I'm sorry, I'm just kidding. I'm a little kidding. bit it's of just... NFL films, but football, you've got enough. That's to be, fine. To be clear, I'm kidding. It's just that this is we we have been finding ourselves in this position frequently where. This is this is exactly the same as Rocky Two. Is you don't hate the movie, and I don't think it's amazing. I kind of like Rocky Two. You, there, you didn't like Rocky Two, but it wasn't like you loathed it. But 
it, over the course of discussing it, we both entrenched to the point where we just picked our sides and we were defending it. I guess we'll have to agree to disagree. I don't agree to that. Neither do I. No, I don't agree to that either because I'm not going to play Meet Me Halfway. We're done. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it is what it is. I, yeah, yeah. I, I was just kidding. That's fine. You're not the pessimist of the podcast. No, I'm, no. I'm sure we'll find a movie that you like and I don't. Call it's me, been a long time since we found one. Call me downbeat. Well, I get to pick the next movie, so maybe this will be the one. That's true. I, as you said, we're, we're done with our prison marathon. Yes, uh, that, that run is now over. Uh, there is a little bit of a connection, actually, to the last episode and even a little bit to this episode, although I kind of skipped over it. So thinking about uh, the gift that I gave you, I think on air, of the Golden Girls and the fact that the Golden Girls was very hot in 1989. Oh, no. You know where I'm headed. <laughs> yeah, I do. Stop or my mom will shoot is our next movie, my friend. How do you feel about that? Honestly, I've never seen it, so I don't know, but I can't imagine <laughs> any reality where that movie is good. <laughs> Talk about the pessimist of the podcast, man. I can't imagine any reality where that movie yeah, is good. That's fair. You're proving me wrong. <laughs> Yeah, the, I mean, I, I always try to give a movie the benefit of the doubt, and I will make I will try to do that here. But I don't know if it I has can. to be one of the dumbest names of all time for a movie. <laughs> That's the thing that I kind of like. It's just it is stop uh, or my mom will shoot. I remember the trailers and yeah, that so, line being in the trailer. Yeah. So yeah. okay, stop. Yeah. Or my so mom we're will we're shoot. moving on. We're moving back to comedy. We're gonna get. Uh, you know, this wasn't super serious, but pretty serious. So this is definitely going to be a, a different feel. Well, after that will be Rocky Three, and thank goodness, because I don't know. Uh, you know, you don't know if the podcast would survive I'm if su- we didn't get to another Rocky. I'm surprised to hear you picked this because between Escape Plan Two, which obviously oh. both of us hated, oh, that movie was there was awesome. no optimism to be had there. No, there um, and then you didn't like uh, uh, Lock Up, and then to go to Stop My Mom Will Shoot, it's like. You know, I feel like you're just trying to kill this podcast. <laughs> why? Why wouldn't you? Iceberg right ahead. I feel like I would. If I was in your position, I'd be picking something. We just need a f- something that is we know will be at least decent. That probably was, on the opposite. That way. was the probably the safe choice. But I decided no. The Golden Girls was big. We're going sure. with Stop or My Mom Will Shoot. Well, maybe it'll be an opportunity for us to go through those cards some more and maybe find <laughs> figure out what that game is. Um, yeah. you know, who knows? Maybe we'll play that game on the air. Like I, wanted, <laughs> I want you to play Prison Architect. We could play the Golden Girls uh, Slice the Pie game, whatever that game was called. Uh, <laughs> All right. Well, uh, lockup is done. Yeah, it's done. And next time we'll be Stop or My Mom Will Shoot. So, uh, yeah, thanks for listening. If uh, you enjoy the show, uh, you know, give us a good review on podcast apps of, of choice and also tell your friends if you like the show. Yeah, I'd certainly like to get feedback as well as comments on Twitter. We are at Arms Race Podcast so we'll be back with Stop or My Mom Will Shoot. We'll be back or My Mom Will Shoot. <laughs>